All right. Um, yeah, let's not waste too much time. Let's get into it. I'm ready. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 140 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. Today, we are doing one thing and one thing only, and that is the Ikoria Constructed Set Review. Yeah, set you, review time. You ready? I am ready. Yeah. This, honestly, this set has me more excited than most. It's a cool set. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about takes on every individual thing as we hit them card-wise. Yeah. Hopefully, I got most of the constructed relevant cards okay. in our list. We always miss, you know, one or two. Sure. It, it just sort of happens, but should get most of them. Um, As I was going through the multicolored cards, kind of like every single rare made it into this pile just because they all kind of do something. Excellent. So we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, we usually go like white, blue, black, red, green, and then multicolored. Today we're going to start with the multicolored ones because mm -hmm. that's kind of what the set is based on. Yeah, they're exciting. Yeah. We want to be talking about them. Yeah. So. so if you get like tired of listening to us, at least you'll have heard the cool cards before <laughs> you tap out. And also by the end of the set review, we tend to get a little tired. <laughs> so we yeah. want to give the gold cards their due. Yeah. So let's start out with one of the Apex Predators. Ikoria is split into wedges, mm -hmm. and each of the wedges have their, like, mythic rare mutate creature. Yep. Uh, so this is the Sultai one, Brokos, Apex of Forever. This is two, a black, a green, and a blue for a 6-6 six, six trample with mutate two and a Demir hybrid and two green, so five total. You only have to have green, but then you need blue or black with it. Uh, so it's a 6-6 six, six trample, and you may cast Brokos from your graveyard using its mutate ability. So on first read, and, and maybe on, like, last read too, you look at this card and you're like, oh, this is just, like, a bad Uro. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> why would I ever do yeah. not Uro if I'm doing this? It does seem odd to be fitting both this card and Uro into your deck, mm -hmm. because I think Uro is definitely going to take precedence over some sort of Graveyard Synergy deck. Yeah. But, you know, this card is still very powerful. Mm -hmm. And the benefit that this card has is that you don't... It, the resource of number of cards in your graveyard isn't, like, a limiting factor like it is for Oko. Yeah. So... For Uro. For Uro. It's a lot of oh, no. made-up words here, so... <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you don't have that kind of like constraint of being able to cast it like r repeatedly. Mm -hmm. But the other constraint that you do have is that you have to have a creature in play to mutate onto. Yes. So, yeah, and that's a pretty big one. It, mm -hmm. it can't just be like a standalone engine sort right. of thing. You have to have yeah. a certain number, a, a pretty decent number, I have to assume, of non-human creatures to mutate onto in order to keep getting this back. Yeah. Um, and that's a sort of grindy value game that is like caused me to underestimate uro because magic is so much not about that value game mm -hmm. it's just that uro of uro's drawing you cards and gaining you life makes you able to warp the game of magic back into that sort of mid-range just like yeah. card Out advantage battle you. yeah yeah um but magic is not really about sort of just like all right i'll play the same threat over and over <laughs> again like that's not that's not how you beat like anissa with like right. making a six six over and over yeah that's not drawing you cards and gaining you life yeah, so I do think that that limiting resource of, like, creatures in play does make the constructive viability of this less than it looks mm -hmm. on the front end. Yeah. So, but, you know, it is still very clearly, like, a strong card, but this feels more like 
a limited bomb that doesn't quite make it into constructed playability. I think so, probably. Mm -hmm. um, and one other thing that it could be used for is if you have a deck that's heavy on mutate synergies, mm -hmm. if that's a possible thing in constructed, one of the places that the mutate cards get their power from is the triggers upon mutating. And if this is sitting in your graveyard, that means that any creature you have in play that triggers on mutating, like he represents a trigger yeah. every time you cast him. So right. that probably is where the power is if there is any to be had. Yeah. And, you know, I still don't have a full, like, great picture of, like, what these mutate decks look like. Mm -hmm. So maybe there is something that Brokos adds to a mutate deck that is, like, important and, like, an engine build. But I'd have to really take a deep dive yeah. into, like, figuring out what those decks look like. Well, we're going to look at a bunch of the cards and so maybe we'll have a better <laughs> idea after that. Yeah, for sure. Our normal way of approaching these set review shows is I pre-order cards as we're doing the set review. Yeah. But the problem is I just don't have a good reason to buy paper magic cards right now. Yeah. So I think maybe we'll do sort of a simulated version where I like pretend to be buying them, but I'm not really doing that. Okay. Uh, so it might I might actually do it if card prices are just like spectacularly depressed what if we then... do what if we do like a uh like an undervalued slash overvalued like thing yeah. for its for its current price like i can yeah. I, I typically have a good feel for what cards are going to end up at right um and but i can give the my magic economy might be like totally oh, yeah. warped true we're living in a whole new world these days so brokos apex of forever is like a four dollar magic card right now that seems reasonable yeah yeah it's a mythic it's, you know, I'm not super excited about it yeah, hitting the constructed shelves, so... Casual play or something like that, probably. $4 seems about right. Yep. Next mythic we got here is Cheville, Bane of Monsters, black-green for a 1-3 human rogue with death touch. At the beginning of your upkeep, if your opponents control no permanents with bounty counters on them, put a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. Whenever a permanent and opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, you gain three life and draw a card. Um, so we talked about this before. It seems mostly like a pretty decent engine-y way to beat up aggressive decks out of your yeah. kind of mid-rangey deck. Yeah. Um, outside of that, like, specific scenario, I don't know how well this is going to play out in, like, a mid-range battle. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you want to be playing a two-mana threat that, like, ha can potentially gain you value. It's probably actually pretty good in the mid-range Yeah, I, um, I bet it could work because they kind of have to deal with it the fact that it has death touch makes its body relevant mm -hmm. so they're not it's going to trade for something yeah so I, I don't think this is something that can just be ignored and then if you like have removal spells in your deck being able to be like all right upkeep put a bounty encounter on that thing and kill it and draw a card mm -hmm. it does seem really strong I, I think you will mostly be playing it in a deck with a healthy amount of removal spells so right and, yeah, and i would imagine so turning your removal spells into cantrips seems Amazing. Very good if, if that works out. <laughs> yeah. Looks like this guy is a little more than seven bucks. Given that this is a multicolored card with like kind of specific application, it is a mythic and there is some power there. That seems a little high to me right now. I actually can see the price of being around seven, eight dollars. Okay. It, the fact that it's a mythic and it will like very likely be played in any black green deck makes it float around yeah. eight bucks. And if it's in a tier one deck that's mm -hmm. just like, I want to have three Chevilles in the main deck, then right. this is a 20-something dollar card easily. Yes, so. exactly. So it sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. Next up, we've got Dire Tactics. This is white-black for an instant at uncommon. Exile target creature. If you don't control a human, you lose life equal to that creature's toughness. 
I mean, this is a pretty good removal spell. Mm -hmm. Two mana removal spells is something that we haven't seen a ton of in Standard recently. Uh, I think that we're definitely moving in that direction with the set. Um, Yeah, there's a handful of pretty decent ones. For any humans deck, I think that this is going to be a pretty trivial inclusion for that. Mm -hmm. So um, I expect this to see play. Yeah. In a non-humans deck, that toughness-based life loss is like yeah pretty big if you're playing against an aggressive deck Mm -hmm. but you know if you're not it kind of isn't that big of a deal potentially in two mana to exile target creatures is fantastic yeah Um, and i think we will be seeing cards for that are basically seeded for an orzov humans deck in standard right and so if that comes together then this at the very minimum is an excellent sideboard card in that deck yes yeah um, this is an uncommon. We're not going to go over the prices of the commons and uncommons. So yeah, it'll be a buck. <laughs> yes. All right. Next, we've got our first ultimatum. Oh yeah. This is eerie ultimatum. White, white, black, 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 green, green. So it's the Abzan ultimatum. It's a sorcery. Return any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's <laughs> doing its best impression of kind of command the dread horde yeah command the dread horde it's yeah. doing its best command the dread horde impression and there isn't the life restriction but there is a restriction of like you can only do your own stuff yeah but in an abzan deck that's like been grinding a lot and is just gonna have like powerful permanents like planeswalkers that have just like incidentally found their way into the graveyard seems like a super super strong top end card i mean if we are fighting mid-range punch fests mm-hmm. where you just like even removal spells and drawing cards with Cheville and playing Planeswalkers and stuff, yeah. then this thing does really cap it off. It is a lot of mana, and it's a lot of very specific mana. Seven mana, yeah. I, I mean, I think an in, in ultimatum is a good place to talk about kind of the inherent drawbacks of these types of cards. Sure. Where we saw this with Nicole Bolas Dragon God, right? Like, mm-hmm. powerful card, kind of the only Planeswalker in standard that does that classic like obnixilis game thing and, and yeah does it really well but requires black 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 blue red or whatever nicole bullets require like that, you nailed that, it that's what it is right <laughs> yeah and and with a mana cost that specific you know your deck has to be making all that type of mana basically right and for nicole bullets that ended up just being too restrictive because the grixis deck never existed mm-hmm. and these at least have more support in that there are a bunch of Abzan cards in this set. So there may be reasons to, for those decks to be those colors, but it still is requiring a very specific thing from your deck. And I am kind of amazed we've gone this long before I've said it, but every wedge gold card, every three color wedge card gets hit by Aether Gust. (laughs) You cannot escape it. The only three color combination that escapes it is Esper, which is not... It's, a wedge yeah yeah so literally almost every gold card in this set gets hit by ether gust mm-hmm. and certainly every three color one does all of these every ultimatum does goodness yeah that's gonna be rough so <laughs> in the ether gust matchups you can't be relying on these things yeah yeah gust oh man gust is gonna be a pretty big problem and, uh, and it might be the best card in standard honestly yeah, well i think it already is yeah. And then it's just going to be even more so. I mean, one thing I do kind of like about these ultimatums is that it does make it difficult to ramp into them with a Nissa. Um, Ooh, yeah. I do like that. Only having like two green pips in this makes it 
pretty impossible to just be like Nissa, and then I'm like guaranteed to do this. It, like right. it's gonna be a while before you can cast your ultimatum with or without your Nissa. I think you have max like an overgrown tomb and a temple garden being sure. doubled in order right. to to cast yeah. this. <laughs> right. So I do like that. How that like you know that's not gonna like take over standard in that way, mm-hmm. where these are gonna be difficult to cast um, and like can't be helped. But yeah, I do see how just like big clunky spells is really something that has been punished pretty hard right now. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, shine through that. Yeah, and all of the ultimatums are going to be dealing with that exact problem. Right. Um, here, Eerie Ultimatum is $4 and mm-hmm. it, it just really depends if the, that problem can get overcome or not. Yeah. But also, man, you're not putting more than like two of these in a 75, right? <laughs> like, good lord. Um, Probably not. So, yeah. <laughs> I, d- I don't expect this to be an expensive card by any means. I don't really think that any of the ultimatums will end up being expensive. But if, like, if one of them completely breaks a deck and it's just a four of and mm-hmm. you just want to cast them as much as possible, yeah. then, like, sure, maybe. Right. Even Cruel Ultimatum was never a four of in that deck, though. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's still seven mana for very restrictive mana costs. Right. Um, and I mean, if we can like find better ways of cheating them, you know, like Nissa into an ultimatum, like it's not perfect, but the turn, if you untap with Nissa, you probably can cast your green yeah. ultimatum. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Um, here is the green focused ultimatum. This is emergent ultimatum, black, black, green, 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 blue, blue for a sorcery. Search your library for up to three monocolored cards with different names and exile them. An opponent chooses one of those cards, shuffle that card into your library. You may cast the other cards without paying their mana cost. Exile emergent ultimatum. So you pick three spells out of your deck. They have to be Mm. monocolored. Your opponent says no to one, and then you cast the other two. I do, it's a very minor thing, but I do kind of like how the third one goes back into your deck. Mm -hmm. It just kind of feels like thematically cool how you're like, these are three options. And you just like (laughs) put the other one back. Because like in every other scenario where that's the case, that one like goes in exile or goes in your graveyard or something. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I kind of like that. Yeah, you're like picking the two together sort of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This card is also like clearly very strong. Mm -hmm. I think that... You know, people have already been brewing just, like, ways of busting this wide open. And I think that there are certainly enough big, scary things that you can find to be, like, here's three big threats. Choose whichever right. <laughs> one you want to put away. There's a certain point, though, where your deck is some number of emergent ultimatums and then enough threats that are monocolored and big enough to get with emergent ultimatum with some redundancy for if you draw one of them or something like that where your deck is just like all seven jobs oh you got some clunkers in there yeah for sure so the place that this actually seems like potentially the best mm-hmm. and and this kind of goes for several of the ultimatums but as a wish target in a fires deck oh yeah even if it's just like jeskai fires with cavaliers but we managed to fit the the fey of wishes back in then oh no they ran me out of gas but here i can granted for emergent ultimatum like cavalier of flames kenrith cavalier of gales like mm-hmm. there's no good combination there yeah. any of those three probably kill you here right yeah well one of the downsides of this in fires though is that oh um, you can't cast oh, you can't cast them doesn't you're, it okay. you'll be able to Cast one of them. Yeah, the so that just turn. doesn't work. Okay. But I do think that the next turn you can cast another one. I don't think... No, because that... this is... 
the word like you may cast the other cards without paying their mana costs it means that it casts them as part of the resolution of this spell that doesn't it has to say specifically like a time or like a oh, really restriction or something like that yeah okay so you know like mind's desire says like until end of turn you may cast it without paying its mana cost sure okay so you, this you have to cast it as part of the resolution like immediately yeah okay yeah okay. and so like this also doesn't work if there's a teferi in play which means that probably this isn't Wild. good enough sure. at all. Okay. You can't have your seven drop just not work if you haven't been able to deal with the Teferi, so. Man, so many of these cards that have been so oppressive mm -hmm. on standard are just like still, like, we're still talking about them. Yeah. In relevance to the new cards. That's frustrating. Well, and I mean, this is the, the huge drawback of Teferi. Like, Teferi obviously removes like a whole aspect of the game, and there's mm -hmm. the whole, like, I, I really don't think it's cool to make you not able to play spells at instant speed sort of argument against a fairy but definitely the part where it just turns off a bunch of cards kind of at random is i don't believe an intended part of the design mm -hmm. like teferi shouldn't just turn off bloodbraid elf's cascade ability like that doesn't seem yeah like what it was designed to do at right. all bring to light as well as another like right casualty of a teferi in play uh, yeah <laughs> and i i don't believe yeah. that was like an intended part of the design that's an unfortunate mm -hmm. side effect for sure so yeah i i'm not a believer in emergent ultimatum unfortunately <laughs> yeah no i get it for sure it it's it it is a timmy card though I mean, oh you gotta you yeah. gotta love those yeah Next up, we've got Fiend Artisan. Okay. So this is two Golgari hybrid mana for a 1-1 one, one creature nightmare. Fiend Artisan gets plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard and has X and a Golgari hybrid. Tap, sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. The ability on this is very strong mm -hmm. and... It, this card is likely massive in yeah. some decks. Yeah. So if you're playing like it's a, just a, a lot going on here. Creature deck. Yeah. Like, it's just big. Yeah. It like it, yeah. If you're yeah, exactly tiny creature deck, you know, a bunch of creatures just find their way into the graveyard. Mm -hmm. Like maybe this is just like a five five or whatever, but still, it's a it's yeah. massive. Um, one cool thing about it as well, in this deck may not be able to keep up on power level at all, but one of the big problems with the mono black devotion deck that everybody tried to make work and was the only thing on ladder for the first week of Theros Beyond okay. being yeah, legal yeah. on Arena. So everybody tried to make Monoblack Devotion work, right. and Monoblack had no two drops that were constructed playable, but you had to put some in. Mm -hmm. This guy just gives you two Devotion on turn two. Perfect. And you've got a bunch of like creatures to sacrifice to find better creatures. You can sacrifice your cat to find your Shepherd, the 4-4 Flyer. Like, sure. if you just have four mana, or five mana. Or you could just, like, keep on chaining Garys. Yeah. You just get yeah. to six mana, you're like, all right, Gary, you, all right, sack my Gary, Gary, you. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> that is dope. So, if Mono Black becomes a thing, it's definitely because of this yeah. card. Yeah. No, I mean, this card is, I'm almost a guarantee to see in play in yeah. some capacity. I, I love it's this just, card. Like, you're putting, essentially, like, two to your library for a creature on a stick. Yeah. Whew. It's $30, so everybody yeah. agrees with us here. Oh, no, for sure. This card is crazy strong. $30 seems like the high end of where it could be. Like, it mm -hmm. could end up being a $30 card, absolutely. Sure. But it is unlikely that it ends up being significantly more than that. Yeah. Such that, like, it doesn't really make sense to buy into it at $30. You're, you're saving maybe $20 total if you have to buy a playset later, so. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't really see it being hugely more expensive than that, but... Yeah. Um, but the card but is fantastic. Clearly very strong. So. And I, yeah, 
I want to sacrifice cats to it. Like, <laughs> I definitely want to just chain Gary. Yeah, there, there is already a sacrifice deck that is primarily black, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, this gives you more access to Mayhem Devils mm -hmm. in your sacrifice deck. Great. Or Midnight Reaper in the control matchup. You can yeah. just, like, more easily find those. And as long as you're not escaping, you do end up with a lot of creatures in your graveyard mm -hmm. in that deck. So, yeah. I mean, that creature, that deck does, like, did realize, like, oh, man, I, I do fill up my graveyard let's focus in on that and end up right. playing a lot of escape cards and enablers in its later iterations but this guy does ask that you don't escape so that's a really good point yeah the best escape card that you can play in that deck is a sacrifice outlet already so i don't really think that you want to get away from your like only free sack outlet mm -hmm. but who knows yeah that i mean oven is still a free sack outlet eh, sure so um, i get it but Kroxa is a pretty powerful card. So yeah, like you just got to figure out what's important. No, to I'm deck down and... to get away from Kroxa. Okay. Like people have already kind of ditched Kroxa, but yeah. it's the um, the Woe Striders. Wo Striders that sure. like that free sacrifice and two bodies is a very primary part of the engine that, sure. in my mind. So yeah, but this guy fits into a lot of stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There will be some deck that takes advantage of being artisan. I completely agree. I and I'm gonna play it because I, <laughs> I love this card. Nice. Next, we have General Kudro of Draneth. Oh, yeah. One, a white, and a black for a 3-3 legendary creature human soldier. Other humans you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever General Kudro of Draneth or another human enters the battlefield under your control, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. And he has two, sacrifice two humans, destroy target creature with power four or greater. So General Kudro heard about this monster that was taking over Standard named Uro and was like, all right, he's, he's here to fight the it's monster. Time, it's time for me to gather the troops and we're going to exile some cards out of their graveyard. Yep, great. Yeah. And also just like kill it if it's in play. Be a, I think this card is just really strong. Three mana is like for a lord is pretty much where you need to be for... Um, for standard mm -hmm. like i think that that's like a good like a you know we saw benelish marshall yep be excellent be excellent and standard and and this is just uh, this is easier to cast than benelish marshall right if you are specifically already in a white black deck yeah then fair. yeah for sure yeah i i do expect like if there is a good human stack this mm -hmm. is going to be a, a yeah. piece of it it depends entirely upon that mm -hmm. my question for you obviously is does this have a place in modern humans probably not yeah not modern um, I saw some people messing around with it in Pioneer Humans, but that's kind of just not a deck. So I, I mean, I think this comes closer to making it a deck because, yeah. you know, now it's not just Thalia's Lieutenant mm -hmm. paying you off. Now right. it's Thalia's Lieutenant and this guy paying you off. Sure. And that's that's pretty good. And, and you know, Uro is just as present in Pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. And Gotta get those Uros. So, like, having this kind of incidental graveyard hate General Kudro, out. people's champion. Get these Uros out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and I also, okay, so we're, you know, we're spiky podcast, but I do love the flavor. Like, this is a perfect, like, white-black mm -hmm. card. Sure. Where, you know, he's leading, but he's willing to make, like, sacrifices. And, you know, this this creature with power four or greater is approaching the city, and he has to send his, his soldiers to their death in order <laughs> to kill it. Like... Good. It's a good design. I like it. So, yeah, card is six fifty right now, mm -hmm. and you know it depends entirely on if humans is playable in standard. To like the value of this card is based on that, right? And if it is, 
then 650 is a steal for this thing. So You know what humans, I think, is going to be the most, like, benefit the most from hmm. in standard is being able to dodge Aethergust. Yeah, white-black. It's, like, the perp, and you don't get mystical, you don't get mystical disputed. Yeah, it's great. Like, you dodge the hate cards and white-black. That's really, that's actually really good. Yeah, I think that the fact that humans has potential to be a deck will be the only thing that keeps Aethergust out of the main deck of decks. Mm. So. Yeah. That's probably true. That's because that's the only deck that I'm thinking of as I like scroll through these cards that I'm like, yes, I'd like to build that deck and it's not red and it's not green. Sure. Like nothing else. Yeah, it's that. Right. Next up, we've got a card that goes with General Kujo. General's Enforcer. White, black for a 2-3 human soldier. Legendary humans you control have indestructible. Two, a white and a black. Exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. This card is really strong. Yeah. It gives Kudro indestructible, so kind of cool there. But also, like, are, do you think, are, are there enough other legendary humans where that's going to be relevant outside of that? I'd have to do a Scryfall search to sort sure. of figure that yeah. out. I can't think of any off the top of my head that we're seeing. But also, just like, there's probably some that I'm just not thinking about. Let's take one second and just, just check. Sure. But, you know, that aside, the activated ability of this is... I think, like, really good if, you know, humans need access to some sort of, like, grindy engine. Mm -hmm. Four mana, make a 1-1. One, one. If you're playing a grindy matchup, I think this is pretty perfect for that. Yeah. So, um, Scrolling through the list, most of these legendary humans in standard don't really seem to go in that kind of focused, like, black-white mm -hmm. humans deck. Sure. There are some decent ones if you're going to go into a third color but okay. that's that's kind of gnarly but tajik <laughs> legion's edge okay which has not been playable before but has a lot of power in that card yeah and there's also judith is probably not what this I mean, it could be what this deck wants but i it just like doesn't seem worth a third color poor judith we got so excited for judith and it just turns out mayhem devil is just the better version of that effect yeah tomic distinguished advocate Okay, there's a two-drop you could play. Going to be um, pretty hard to cast in that deck. Though, possibly, yeah. The lands are just a little rough there. But good card in a, you know, if there's a lot of Nissas running around. Although, Taranika, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I, I'm confirming that that Taranika, card could be interesting there, too. I think is strong and potentially playable um like if like the rest of its shell gets hashed out this so. is the three mana three three that when it attacks turns one of your other guys into a four four yeah so that and, and gives it indestructible so mm -hmm. would allow like you know if you don't have generals enforcer in play this could allow your general kudra to attack or something like that when no you I, really I like honestly attack. those two together were perfectly because mm -hmm. the biggest problem with this card has always been like oh i don't I, like i can't attack it with my three three so mm -hmm. i also can't attack with this like could be four four right. indestructible. so if so. you lead with a two mana guy that makes this indestructible and mm -hmm. they team up in our boat that's kind of sweet yeah i'm into just, it like you know you get a four four and a three three indestructible attacker yeah yeah, sounds good. Boy, I really wish we had gotten an untapped land that would allow us to play this deck. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the the white, the, the Orzhov mana is going to be rough if yep. we don't have any extra help with it. Which we don't. We, there's just no... No, it just comes into play top lands as far as the eye can see. Yikes. 
next up we've got the teamer ultimatum this is genesis ultimatum green green blue 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 red red sorcery look at the top five cards of your library put any number of permanent cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest into your hand exile genesis ultimatum this one does work with fires of invention because it's yes. not casting anything just put them into play yeah and it's probably very good in that deck mm -hmm. so i would imagine that a, a fires deck is going to be looking to run something like this yeah if, if you're Specifically, if you're running a wish package and you just want a giant mm -hmm. assertive thing yeah. to wish for. Yeah, you definitely don't want it, like too many of these in your main <laughs> just, <laughs> to, just to draw a bunch of. But yeah, no, it, it seems pretty great as, as a wish package. And it is it is very powerful. I uh, I just was playing Genesis Wave in my modern cube league. And let me tell you, that's a very fun effect. Right, and this so. is a solid, like, better than Genesis Wave 4-5. Yes, absolutely. So... You know, that's an okay start. Yeah. As long as you don't get it gusted or mystical disputed. Yeah, being... <laughs> like your teamer colors. These are the dangerous ones. If they, if they have any blue hate card... They get gonna, you. It's going to get got. Yeah. So. And, and you just can't show up to a tournament and allow yourself to get, you know, trade five mana for two or trade seven mana for two or one, like, multiple times... Like, several times over the course of a tournament. Like, you're just going to lose. You're just not going to make it to the top eight like it just yeah. won't happen so this seems like mostly a card that i want to wish for in certain circumstances mm -hmm. and not draw in my deck yeah it's like three dollars you know pick one up so you have it around probably all right this one's cool this is our first companion card oh yeah and it is one of the least offensive companion cards but it's very neat <laughs> this is garuda doom of depths four and two demir hybrid mana it's a legendary creature, Demon Kraken. It's companion. Your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Uh, when Garuda <laughs> enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So I saw the versus live guys testing out this deck mm -hmm. in like a esper hero okay. style strategy and you can do weird stuff with like split cards or mm. or in like some adventure card although the, the adventure cards all have the good adventure cards all have odd converted mana costs and then yeah like that is even converted cost adventure so that doesn't really help right there is there could potentially be something there in like this like hero style deck where you, you know you're playing hero and then you're playing all of like the two mana gold cards that are good mm. and then i guess you kind of have to skip over the threes and then like teferi oh yeah <laughs> that's rough <laughs> the, the only actually like good card in that deck yeah <laughs> so i mean i'm not saying it's great <laughs> but they were trying it okay yeah, sure. <laughs> the only good card in that deck is teferi you're right I mean, that deck has a lot of good cards in it. Like, mm -hmm. Daughter Asher is great, obviously, and stuff. But, like, Teferi, yeah. like, kind of binds the whole thing together. Yeah. It means yeah, that yeah, they yeah. can't do a lot of the gnarly stuff to you. Right. That your, you know, your deck is not super powerful. That keeps some of the grosser stuff from happening to you. I, I don't think having... Having an extra card in your hand is amazing. And I think the companion cards are going to be huge and are going to, like, have a gigantic impact on standard. Mm -hmm. When the companion cost is this high, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that you you really want to do this right yeah no for sure i i i feel that this could be though a non a fine non-companion card like six mana six six that brings back a creature from your graveyard but like you can get a lot of mana out of this thing mm -hmm. basically 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that the card is definitely powerful um, in that regard. But yeah, that restriction is just going to be... Did we ever get a final ruling on whether or not you can sideboard into a... If you sideboard into a deck that doesn't meet the restriction, you can no longer cast your companion from your sideboard. So Really? Yes. So it means... So starting deck just means what you present at the beginning of the game, not the match. Mm. It That's to... Because like if you wish for a card... Okay. then that wishing for a card doesn't disable your companion. But sure. sideboarding in a card that violates the rule does disable your companion. Okay. So you... Okay. So you can play granted with this. You can play granted with this. Yes, correct. Fair. Are there any... So in terms of, like, adventure cards, you said all of the good ones are odd curve mirror man costs? I mean, certainly Bone Crusher Giant it, Would that be a way of, like, odd. cheating and being like, okay, I can cast this, like, spell that's even... Or that's an odd cost. Well, those... But, like, the... So the adventure creature... So, like, Brazen Borrower and Bone Crusher Giant sidestep the other companion guy the companion guy that says your starting deck contains only cards with odd converted mana costs oh, okay. borrower and bone crusher giant give you twos for that deck yeah no and that seems really strong yeah okay but there's it doesn't really work for this one as well i think you're stretching to some like pretty unplayable cards in order mm -hmm. to cheat that restriction so i, I think that if garuda sees play it's because a six mana six six that brings like another giant body into play is good enough yep in and it, it'll be played in the deck right that's uh, what i mean it's just like this it card be, is fine it won't be played as a companion right right yeah so so yeah it kind of cool but yeah also that like it can only reanimate a creature with even cover to mana cost so you can't like can you know curve like powerful five force mm. your opponent to kill it play sure. this get it back yeah so that's that's a little awkward as well yeah we're not getting back like our cavaliers exactly or a Golos or whatever. Right. It's yeah. gotta be... Yeah, so it's a little awkward unless you, like, have discarded it or get lucky enough to mill it, but... Alright, next we've got another of the Apex Predators. This is the Teamer 1 Iluna Apex of Wishes. Two red, blue, green. It's got Mutate of three, a Gruel Hybrid, and two blue. So six mana total. It's a 6-6 six, six with Flying and Trample. Whenever this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land permanent card. Put that card onto the battlefield or into your hand. Seems strong. It kind of does. One thing I really do like about these Apex Predators is that the they don't cost an exorbitant amount of mana just on their own. Mm -hmm. Five mana for a 6-6 six, six flying trample it is like good on curve typically mm -hmm. and if you can pair this with like cheaper mutate stuff so you just like you, you play this turn five and then turn six you can like mutate a couple of your cheaper mutate things on it i think that would potentially be a very very powerful sequence right, right. yeah that's the, that's the sick play is if you can mm -hmm. untap with it and you're just like three mana mutate guy three mana mutate exactly. guy right yeah. yeah it's a little awkward because I mean, maybe it doesn't really matter, but certainly if you have, like, kind of medium mutate guys for that, like the mutate guy that ramps or something like that, then you are getting to be kind of likely to start hitting those off of the Aluna trigger. Mm -hmm. But then that's, I guess that's just, like, a lot of power and toughness in play, kind of. So, yeah, it's, like, fine. Right. It. I mean, like, if you can get that going, it feels kind of like Oketra mm. in the sense that, like, okay, I untapped with my Oketra dominating port presence right now. Um, so I do like that element of things, but... Yeah, but we are kind of past O'Catcher being good in Standard. Like, Standard is not allowing itself to be about that. That's Yeah, that's true. So, for sure. 
that I, that that is a really helpful comparison that I think puts me off of this card. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, because Oketra, you don't need to hit well. It's just going to be a 4-4. Right, and you don't need to put specific type... You don't need to find mutate creatures to put in your deck. Mm -hmm. You're just putting the creatures that you want to put in your deck. Right. So, it's a $12 magic card, and I, yeah, I just can't... Can't really see it. I, okay. I think it's just not really what standard magic is about. Yeah, no, I, I get that, for sure. Also, it's Teamer, which is... Dangerous. It's a rough color combination of Van. Right, right. Yeah. and if you're going to do Teamer, like, there's already, like, insanely powerful stuff to do in those colors. Right. That maybe you don't really need yeah. this nonsense. Like, you know, Escape the Wilds or yeah. Teamer Reclamation. Right, or even, like, Omnath or something. Like, yeah. Next one, we got another ultimatum, Inspired Ultimatum. This is the Jeskai one. Blue, blue, red, 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 white, white for a sorcery. Target player gains five life. Inspired ultimatum deals five damage to any target. Then you draw five cards. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that feels like an ultimatum. <laughs> it does. <laughs> this know. is the, can I copy your homework? Yeah, right. but change it yeah. from a... It's kind of like a cruel ultimatum. It's kind of like a cruel ultimatum. It's also kind of like that Hearthstone card that's like five oh. damage and you get five armor and a five five. Mm. I, I don't remember what it is, but it's like a very, you know, for a long time it was like a really important Hearthstone okay. card. Gotcha. That was okay. That was ultimate infestation. So it even has the name, the word ultimate in it. So this is definitely oh, a. Okay, so everybody's drawing the comparisons. Yeah, thanks, yeah. MC Plow. <laughs> the thing that, so Twitter got mad about this card because, like, compared to the Teamer one, like it seems less powerful. Mm. I actually kind of like this a little better than the Teamer one in, you in some five ways. Cards. You draw five cards. That's a lot of cards. Right. So yes, the Teamer one puts them into play, but this gets rid of a threat including like a planeswalker or something mm -hmm. and that five life that everybody's like making fun of like white is bringing five life to the table that's how you survive to use the cards that you put into your hand is because you gained five life and kill the thing yeah. you, also this is the only ultimatum that's in teferi's colors so this one if you have a teferi in play doesn't get mystical disputed and doesn't get ether gusted yeah yeah i think that having your own teferi is going to be really important if you're trying to resolve cards that are you know yeah this big <laughs> with with that many cards that can hit them yeah so and, and this may be still like a thing that you wish for in a fires deck because you just can't put sevens into your deck mm. but it also could be like a i i'm playing a long game for some reason i don't want to have like a bunch of planeswalkers in my deck except for like teferi i want to like end of turn this with my teferi i don't know it's very powerful if you have teferi in play mm -hmm. that may not be good enough because most things are but you know there's something here I, I like this card yeah no i can see it <laughs> this one deserves some conversation oh yeah this is gigantha the wellspring four and a gruel hybrid mana five mana total for a five five legendary creature elemental elk it has companion its companion is no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost and has tap add wooberg this mana can't be spent to pay generic mana costs so and by generic mana costs what are we talking about so it has to pay for colored pips okay. in cards okay so you know if you cast an admizit you can tap this and cast an admizit sure but if you have mm, what's a what's a good example if you, if you have bring delight you can't tap this and cast bring delight mm -hmm. you can pay for the, col the the blue and the green and bring delight but then you have to pay for the three with other mana okay that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, this is the card that we've been talking a lot about, how in a lot of decks, it's just going to be 
a free five five that you have yeah. access to the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and the question and, and just like a lot of decks naturally, this goes like mm -hmm. they just didn't double up on any pips. Like yep. it's a two or three color deck. They didn't want anything with double pips and there you go. Here's a five five. The question is, is a kind of bad eighth card in your starting hand every game worth a sideboard slot in those decks? And yeah, and the answer to that is is kind of I don't know right now. I think it's really going to depend on like what's going on in the deck and and all that stuff. But it feels so free mm -hmm. that it's. I'm probably just gonna like if 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 I had to register a deck today, you just would. That yeah. I yeah, just like have this card in my sideboard. Yeah. If if it was free to do. Yeah, and I, so. I think that's where I'm at too. I'm erring on the side of like I believe that it is a, if you can just put a companion in your deck for free, mm -hmm. like it is a spew to not do that. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that obvious if a bunch of decks just have gigantha and you know you 40 percent of your matches you look at your opponent and you both just flip gigantha in your sideboard and it's not like the games are going to be about it but you know it hurts certain types of like grindy decks because everybody just gets a 5-5 that they play after everybody's run out of resources and i mean maybe the grindy deck also has a 5-5 so it's kind of a wash but it does make things feel a little bit samey mm -hmm. so i don't i don't love it but yeah no, I feel that. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just like this This must include. Yeah. And in some ways, I kind of like get how wizards would want to print must includes. Mm -hmm. Like that's gonna sell product. True. Right? Like it's like, all right, we printed this card that everybody has to have in their sideboard. But it's just a huge feel bad mm -hmm. for the players in my mind. Right. That, just... Like, why would you, why would you do that? Like, okay, sure. Now I have to have a Gigantha in like a majority of my sideboards, but like. Yeah, kind of lame. And and you know what? Like, I, I think that the people downplaying the impact of that, like, it's just a 5-mana five 5-5 five five that's going to be in a lot of games where games aren't going to turn out. I think the people downplaying that are forgetting, like, how upset people are. And I think a lot of them are the same people that are upset about, you know, being, quote, forced to play Snowlands in every modern deck because it's mm -hmm. correct. And so yep. they don't get to play the cool basics that they want to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you have to play Gigantha, you can't play the 15th sideboard card that you want to play, which is a lot more impactful than you can't play the cool basics you want to play. Sure. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, I really would say that you should not underrate the fact that this does add mana sure. to your mana pool. Like, even if you only get to use some of it, being able to untap with this and be like have like two extra mana that you can use mm -hmm. is powerful in yeah. my mind. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And especially if you have some sort of sync to mm -hmm. to put it into uh, if you have an ultimatum in your deck this adds three mana to that ultimatum and makes it quite castable yeah so. absolutely um although you can't have an ultimatum in your deck with this card. oh yeah that's true you can't have an ultimate okay good catch yeah good catch you're right you're right we gotta yeah. get one used to one a lot of the of weird these yeah one of the weird things about this companion is definitely um yeah i'm yeah. trying to think like through like okay does niv it play anything that like has a lot of the same and the only thing i can think of is ashiok which is like a you don't have to play ashiok right in like in standard niv it you're talking about or i was thinking about modern oh modern yeah it's like the supreme verdicts would have to oh, be supreme something else verdict is another one yeah, sure but the the supreme verdicts are kind of a flex slot anyways so they're pretty important. They're they're good. Having a wrath is important. Maybe you could find a different one. I think you could probably find something else depending on what you want to wrath. You could put solar blaze in there, and that probably kills most of the stuff. It just can be countered. But you're bring sure. delighting for wrath most of the time, anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's not a great card. But if you need a four mana wrath that kills most stuff, then that's one of them. It's fair. 
Um, so yeah, this is, you know, a playset of this card is one. So get it. Pick it up. It's yeah. 250. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Might as well have yours since they're forcing us to buy them. You know? Yep. Next companion is Kahira, the Orphan Guard. One and two Selesnia mana for a 3-2 Cat Beast. Its companion is each creature card in your starting deck is a Cat, Elemental, Nightmare, Dinosaur, or Beast card. So... The way Aquaria works is, like, there's one of these creature types kind of assigned to each color, and then most of the gold cards okay. are, like, the combination of those. Okay. So so this lords up a lot of creatures, because it's 3-2 Vigilance. Each other creature you control, that's a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast, gets plus one, plus one, and has Vigilance. It lords up, like, most of the non-human stuff in this set. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, once again, I'd have to really do a deep dive on like what the decks look like because creature type is just generally not something i pay too much attention to until so I, it like yeah, until matters, it matters more than anything else on the card right so i'll definitely have to like go back and like trudge through like what the standard like card types look like mm -hmm. but you know if you can build a deck without too much trouble that is just all of these things then yeah you're just gonna have to have this in your sideboard it is really good yep and probably you're gonna have multiple more in your main deck too because if you've made it mm. good then it's probably so is that something that you can do is you can have your companion mm -hmm. one of and then have three more in your yes in your 60 yep cool yeah and i, th I think this is the main one that you would yeah you think would definitely about do that with, with this one because it's just such a good card yeah mm -hmm. i mean it's definitely better when you don't well the question the other question is like would you you are guaranteed to have this on curve on turn three every time. Mm -hmm. So do you want to be ever drawing more from your library? Maybe not. But it's also a card that, like, when they kill it, you do want to have the backup one. Yeah. So. If it wasn't legendary, of course, it would be different. But Of course, um, yeah. I think um, it depends a lot on the metagame, how much people have spot removal for your stuff, mm -hmm. and you want to back it up. And, and, you know, another thing is, like, if you have this companion that you do want to cast every game, are you willing to, like, make a hole in your curve? To accommodate, sure. you know, just, like, move the threes aside to, like, a few more twos, a few more fours or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to having a companion that we haven't, like, hashed out yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are going to be changes like that that are unintuitive to start with. Yeah. Another one that Utempo Mage asks in chat is, you can have this as your companion in a creatureless deck. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think you'd be oh, interested sure. in? Uh, just a vigilance three two yeah profoundly unexciting yeah but it, once but again free it's free and so that's that is the, the real big problem mm -hmm. that i foresee with companions is the ones that fit easily and then their text is just like completely meaningless mm -hmm. like sure it turns out that blue white does want you know what this effectively is is like a three mana three two that when you draw it draws you a card mm-hmm and, like, sure, maybe a blue-white control deck does want that in their list to pressure other planeswalkers or block for a Teferi for a turn or something like that. And then that just means that, like, most of the text on the card is just completely meaningless and you're just playing it because it has, like, companion don't have creatures in your deck. Yeah. And that's, like, really wasteful. Just, like, from a card design yeah. standpoint, I mean. No, I get it, for sure. And so you can only have one companion. Correct? Right, okay. right. Cool. So you can't just, like, stack up on a bunch of this. I'm at four. Here we go. All right, turn three every game. Turn three, <laughs> Kahira, turn five. Yeah. And the three mana slot definitely, like, in most of the control decks that don't have creatures in it, like, mm -hmm. they're going to have a bunch of three mana planeswalkers in them. So, like, right. this is not a super valuable thing to have. Yeah. But I do believe that if you wanted to be a creatureless deck, you don't meet any of the other companion requirements. I Again, I 
just maybe things play out differently, but I do think it's a spew not to just have a companion in there if you meet the requirements. Yeah. No, I feel that for sure. It's just going to be one of those things where it's just, you know, pick your companion that worked incidentally right. and then cast it even though it doesn't do much. And and the fact that creatures pressure planeswalkers is one of the big things that makes even a 3-mana three 3-2 three relevant. If they play a Narset against you in the control mirror and you didn't have a counter spell, but then you are able to play a 3-2, like, that's okay that's yeah. uh, that's better than like uh go yeah so oh, oh i'm getting beat down now right yep um all right um next up we've got karuga the macro sage this is three and two simic mana for a five four legendary creature dinosaur hippo companion your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and land cards when karuga the macro sage enters the battlefield draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater so this is one of the tougher companions to see, to, to fit in, in my mind. Except that we've already got a deck that this just fits into. Which is... Jeskai Fires. Oh. Is that... Okay. So your two drops are just your adventure guys. Mm-hmm. And then you have Deafening Clarion and Teferi as three drops. And you have Fires and five drops. And when you don't have Gas, but you have a Fires in play, you play this and you draw a card. Or if you like had a cavalier in play you play this and you draw two cards so is it is it do you think it's worth not having access to things like aethergust i think that if aethergust main deck is important enough Mm -hmm. then you may have to say okay no karuga the macro sage sure but if we're in a meta where it's fine to just sideboard your aethergusts then you can turn off your karuga in favor of aethergust if that's what the matchup requires so yeah that that makes sense to me where you can still just like pick your spot Mm mm-hmm um okay yeah yeah no i can totally see that because it does work really well with fires where like even just like on a turn five fires turn you just go fires karuga yeah great but wait does fires have any restrictions over like casting from your hand nope you just you just cast it for free yeah you may cast spells with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs oh great so yeah (laughs) It okay works. it just worked yeah it's 2020 the cards just oh, like, work. excuse me yeah 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 i'm looking for all these little details nah, that they might they, have nothing ever goes wrong with the thing you're doing sure okay got it all right well yeah i mean fair enough yep so pick one up if you're gonna play fires i, I yeah. think it just belongs in there and but i i agree other than that it does mm-hmm. get to be pretty hard to yeah. play a deck with only converted mana cost three or greater mm-hmm. it's just fires in the is able to hit that restriction it's just a very specific weird deck oh baby these multicolor cards man (laughs) this one's a human it's not a it's not a that's true crazy one this time but it yeah kinnon bonder prodigy green blue for a 2-2 human druid whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana add one mana of any type that permanent produced five green blue look at the top five cards of your library you may put a non-human creature card from among them onto the battlefield put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order we are really more focused on the the first ability well the, the second is a fine sink yeah. but the fact that whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana you get an extra mana so some highlights mm-hmm. for this yeah let's go over them arkham's astrolabe wow that card's pretty good <laughs> yeah that card is played a lot yes <laughs> just turn your arkham's astrolabe into another land why not I know one pretty good guard that does that, so that seems like a powerful thing to do. <laughs> yeah. For two mana, Versa. since we were willing to pay four mana for it. Yeah. Um, are there any other good ones that are just like... 
Um, chromatic Star and Chromatic Sphere sacrifice okay. for an additional mana. Yeah. Um, Mox Amber. This turns on beautifully. Your oh. Mox just comes down and taps for two. It's just a mana crypt. That's that's insane. Yeah. Okay. And that's in standard. That's in. That's not in standard. Mox Amber is Dominaria. Okay. Okay. We rotated out. But it is in Pioneer, uh, and sure? it's definitely in Modern. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that there is a lot of potential here for especially a modern combo deck and you have redundancy with urza they kind of do the same thing as each other they mm -hmm. like make your artifacts that don't tap for mana now like tap for mana if they're you know the specific type that that Kinnon works with astrolabe chromatic star chromatic sphere yeah um and you can just play like an eggs store to strategy probably deck yourself and win with thassa's oracle or just whatever <laughs> sure yeah no i could i could definitely get behind that and Urza and Kinnon provide, like, a level of redundancy where, like, either one unlocks all of your mana mm -hmm. and, you know, both, like, make Mox Amber work. You know, Ur Urza does so in a weird yeah. way, but that amount of redundancy and then probably, like, paradoxical outcome or something like that. And, you know, that's a stew. Yeah, no, for sure. Urza and Emery have been best friends for a long time, and it looks like they just picked up another... <laughs> yeah. Another friend, so... Right, and, and you can play Uro in these colors as your backup win condition mm -hmm. for, especially like post-board when they've disrupted your ability to actually win with that stuff. You're just like, here's a 6-6. Six, six. Sure. Uh, I think it is definitely going to shake up how these decks are built. Mm -hmm. But once, once you know, we figure out exactly what kind of synergies this unlocks, mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting. I'm a little less excited about it for like, what it's clearly intended to do which is make your mana creatures into better mana creatures sure. like that's kind of the standard format use for it mm -hmm. and that just doesn't seem particularly good to me as far as modern comboing goes i'm i'm, I'm in for tapping artifacts to make this card good <laughs> that yeah that's fair looks like it's like an 18 dollar card which like it's extremely powerful and also probably casual play like commander is probably driving that price up too and mm -hmm. probably will stay high if commander is a big factor then i could see it staying that high mm -hmm. outside of that though it doesn't feel like an 18 dollar card to me so okay um i don't know yeah I, I probably yeah even if like artifact combo is like a good deck in modern that you know the modern deck doesn't tend to push the standard mythic super high in paper mm -hmm. but it might be weird given that nobody is buying paper card you know like we see on magic online because so few standard packs get opened whenever a standard mythic becomes playable in pioneer and modern it becomes infinite ticks like uro is <laughs> yes infinite heliod was infinite mm -hmm. so if this becomes playable in modern and a similar thing happens in paper magic as happened in online magic you know that could be a scenario where i would see this being worth like you know more than 18 dollars. yeah okay yeah i could see that Next, we've got Lore Dracus. This is one, a blue and a red for a 2-3 lizard. It has Mutate for two is it hybrid mana. Whenever this creature mutates, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. That's pretty powerful. Yeah? I think. Two mana for that effect is not something that we see very often. Well, um, we did see it like a core set ago, right? Just like blue, blue, return target instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. It didn't come with like any sort of body or anything, but uh yeah just like as a sorcery or yeah, whatever yeah sure yeah i mean i guess that's fair and maybe i'm overrating this card initially because 
a body with that effect is just definitely not something that we've seen for three mana. But in, in my mind, I'm kind of trying to evaluate this as like a three mana two three that returns something right. back. And it's kind but of it, not that. It just doesn't do that. Yeah. Okay. I think that the mutate guys like this, they kind of require you to get a second trigger off of it. Yeah. And so you need to be playing some sort of mutate package and you have to have enough instant or sorceries that you want to cast multiple times. Like the main place I could see this working out would be like a mono blue deck with counter spells and like the tempo deck with yeah. the the sea dasher octopus and kind of the more i'm thinking about it like talking about deck building mm -hmm. it does feel difficult to build a deck that is mutate focused and has a bunch of instants and sorceries that you right. can return so so i'm thinking looking at more traditional archetypes in blue and red that tend to have creatures and like a category of spells so mm -hmm. like mono blue tempo is creatures and counter spells yeah mono red aggro is creatures and burn spells our burn sure. spells are really bad in standard right now but you know <laughs> as an example yeah so i think that you probably in order to make this good need to play it in a deck with like two other mutate creatures that are good with it so mm -hmm. like just this and four c dasher octopi octopuses octopodes is not enough to make it likely that you get like multiple mutate triggers off of this mm -hmm. so you probably need to find something else and that's going to be tough out of one set to, yeah. to fit all that into one deck yeah yeah okay so after after really hashing over this card i'm definitely less high on it that's reasonable i think i think that yeah it's just probably not quite going to get there yeah it's very cool mm -hmm. i mean it, it's a neat deck building puzzle like have enough creatures and enough mutate and enough spells that you want to do a bunch of times but i'm not <laughs> sure yep. that that puzzle gets solved very easily it's fair uh-oh uh-oh oh no well we talked about this one already all right next <laughs> luris of the dream den one and two orzov for a three two cat nightmare legendary creature its companion is each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less lifelink during each of your turns you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard you know obviously fantastic in a breach deck fantastic in legacy storm mm -hmm. probably just has a bunch of applications because that restriction is not super hard to meet it's really not i saw there's live guys playing this in just like a hardened scales deck where you oh, yeah you just like cut all of like the small stuff or you cut all the, like the big stuff and yeah. you're just playing play you get to play like x spells right. right so you get to play any number of walking blisters and voracious hydras mm -hmm. all of that fits in perfectly and you're playing the new one-man artifact that we'll yeah. get to later yeah the ozolith uh, we'll, we will talk about that one oh, for yeah. sure so that seems like a pretty neat place right. to and put alurus especially because like that's one thing that the hardened scales needed was mm -hmm. like uh, right you killed my creatures what do i do well here we go <laughs> grind the engine just yeah. there yeah and imagine just being able to like recast a an x spell over and over again from your graveyard yeah that seems great yeah or like you know if you're playing like the, the one oh winding constrictor version just mm -hmm. like you killed all of my stuff. Five mana, Luris, Winding Constrictor, go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, have, I have more X spells in my graveyard. <laughs> yeah. so, right. I, I think just like we will be surprised by applications of Luris. Like that, mm -hmm. like I had not thought of that, but yep. it's just genius. Like, yeah, obviously you want Luris in there. Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen a lot. So get your Luris. Get yep. your one, and you're going to need a Luris. Yep. That's all, though. Well, if you play Kethis. You want you want four. If you play Kethis, you're gonna put a lot of Keth a lot of Luris in your main deck yeah. for sure. Because you can't companion it, but it's just a really good card in that deck. So. Right. Yeah. 
This one is Lutria the Spell Chaser. I just put all the companions in here. Yeah. I, you know. I mean, this one's adorable. Yeah. So. It is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, one, two, is it? Hybrid mana, legendary creature, elemental otter for a three, two, flash. When Lutri the Spell Chaser enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Yeah, so it's a fork on a 3-2 that's free to have in your hand. But, yeah, you gotta play a Highlander deck. The problem is that the Highlander deck is uh, pretty one of the bigger restrictions in my mind. Yeah. Didn't they preemptively ban this out of... Yeah, out of the Highlander out formats. Of, out of the Highlander formats. Because, obviously, because you're gonna have this in any deck. Yes. Uh, it's, it's funny because they... They made a rules cheat to make Companion actually work in those formats. Because you don't have a sideboard in those formats. So, oh. like, you can't wish for stuff. Okay. So, they just, like, made Companion and then just said, like... Also, Companion works in Brawl and EDH. Okay. And it's like, okay, but it doesn't. But I guess it does. <laughs> yeah, it's and, fine. And so, they did that and then they had to immediately ban the one that, like, automatically works, of course. Because yeah. you, you would just kind of have to put it as your Companion. Right. The Companion cost is that you're playing the format that you're playing right this is not a high enough cost okay well for actual constructed you can't play highlander well it's not going to stop some people <laughs> yeah and and some people will you know at some point we will see somebody top eight with like highlander mono red i i mean i've seen i've seen highlander decks before in yeah. constructed and they've done reasonably well in the past yeah it's not as good but if you want to have fun with it and a lot of times it's like pseudo highlander it's like Hey, check it out. The only card that's actually good in this deck is Lightning Bolt. So we're on four Lightning Bolts and then sure. all the bad cards. Right, right, right. So yeah. you can't do that. But not a real card, but it will see some some goofy play. Yeah. Next we have Narset of the Ancient Way. This is a Jeskai Planeswalker. One blue, red, white for loyalty. Plus one is you gain two life. Add blue, red, or white. Spend this mana only to cast a non-creature spell. Minus two, draw a card. Then you may discard a card. When you discard a non-land card this way, Narset of the Ancient Ways deals damage equal to the card's converted mana cost to target creature or planeswalker. Minus six, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this emblem deals two damage to any target. So the only thing really missing from this card is the plus one's ability to garner some sort of like quantifiable advantage. It almost doesn't do anything. Yeah, the turn that you play it, it's going to be like you're going to need an opt or, you know, we don't have, like, I guess you could shock something. Well, I think that the turn you play this, I think in any deck that is designed to use this card, it's going to be designed to have this come down and you minus immediately. Right, for sure. I've heard this talked about in Fires, because Fires doesn't have a lot of great four mana sort of assertive options. Mm -hmm. And this one on the Fires turn can come down after Fires and kill something. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. No, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that is, like, like the, the solution to, like, the four mana problem of, like, turn four, you do this, it can do something. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I, I could see, like, how after that you can just, like, use it to get some mana. Or if you get two minuses out of this, I can actually see that being pretty effective as well. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, I could, I could certainly see this being being Yeah. Powerful. I do think the turns where you're not minusing are so anemic, mm -hmm. though. Right. But some planeswalkers don't even have pluses anymore. Right. So we're we're looking at this plus and it's bad, and we're like, nah. I know, but, but... <laughs> this doesn't lock your opponent out of drawing cards or sure. playing spells okay. in response to yeah. spells. You're, or... you're right. You're right. You're right. I think maybe niche role playing in like a Fires of Invention deck 
but I think generally this is not a powerful planeswalker in, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, that's fair. If you come down and kill a thing and then they have to be like leery about playing the next thing because if you can just kill that too, then you did just get like two removal spells out of one card. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... yeah, if you if you can concoct a scenario where you can minus two twice, mm-hmm. this is a good card. Yes. This is a really good card. Yeah, especially if one of the minus twos kills a planeswalker. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff doesn't do that. Right. And, and the fact that she can come down, pitch an extra cavalier or whatever, hit a Noga planeswalker for five, mm-hmm. like, that is impressive. But that's also pretty matchup dependent. Yeah. Like, this coming down against a blue-white control deck with nothing on the board is just kind of not doing anything for a little while until they figure out, like, when they want to ether gust it or whatever. Well, the threat of plus-plus ultimate, though, can be pretty reasonable as well. Yeah, definitely. But it it gives them a couple of turns to deal with the onboard thing Mm -hmm. without giving you advantage, really, in the meantime. Because I I think that mana is so hard to use. Yeah, it could be. Non-creature spells, typically in standard... There aren't a ton of non-creature spells that you want to cast mm-hmm. on your own turn, even. So, if we can go back, like, like turn the dial back a little bit and make the fires deck back into a Jeskai Planeswalkers deck, mm. then this is a pretty sweet thing. Yeah, like if you miss the the land drop after her, you can still cast your five mana Planeswalkers, or you can double up on three mana Planeswalkers or whatever. Sure. Like that's kind of cool, but yeah. All right, next we have Necro Panther. <laughs> One a black and a white. For a 3-3 with mutate 2 and 2 Orzhov mana, whenever this creature mutates, return target creature card with converted mana costs 3 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, I mean, that's a pretty powerful effect. Mm-hmm. The This is going to be so contingent on like what the decks look yeah. like. It's really, really hard to evaluate in, Definitely. in a vacuum. One of the neat things is that the mutate cost being entirely hybrid... Like, you might put this into a deck that's just black or just white sure. if you want that effect and feel that you can mm-hmm. mutate consistently. Right. A, this is like a grindy card that is a bad top deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the the mutate cards that trigger, that don't do anything, they're just vanilla mm-hmm. and only trigger when they do get mutated, I am less high on than yeah. anything else. It feels like you have to, again, like, like trigger a, this again in order to get the value out of yeah. it. Like a 3-3 three, three for 3. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I, yeah, you do this card, it's a 3-3 three, three for 3. Like, maybe you can mutate it onto it later, and then it can do something powerful. Sure, but I'm just not excited about that effect. Yeah. I think if your deck is built in a very specific way. So, for example, like, you could build, like, Black-Red Sacrifice in a way that, like you have access to gutter bones a lot Mm -hmm. and so it's easy to mutate onto gutter bones even like if your opponent's been disrupting you a lot and your threes are really good because they're mayhem devil and midnight reaper yeah so like that's something that i could possibly see Mm -hmm. but that maybe even then that's just a sideboard card so you know very specific card for if your deck wants like this exact mishmash of like play patterns so yeah like if i'm designing a set with mutate cards Mm -hmm. in it you're you're gonna want to design some cards that are good to mutate onto other stuff, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna want to design some cards that are good to get mutated onto. Mm-hmm. This is clearly one of the latter, but it feels like if we're moving this whole mutate concept into constructed, it the needs cards to be kind that are of both. Yeah. the cards that are a it has to be both, and this I feel like is just kind of one. Um, but also, it feels like like we we've already talked about a bunch of cards that are incidentally kind of like broken to mutate onto. Like 
arboreal grazer or um, these other just like bodies that mm-hmm. you're gonna like want to have access to because they're standalone good cards mm-hmm. and um, just like yeah are good to mutate onto. But like including a necropanther in your deck because you need stuff to mutate onto it. Yeah. Uh, it it feels like a limited card you know again yeah right it just seems kind of low powered compared to the things that we're doing to each other in standard right all right now we've got another apex predator this is netheroi apex of death this is the abzan one so two white black green for a five five death touch lifelink Uh, it has mutate for seven mana total Mm -hmm. four a selesnia hybrid and two black Whenever this creature mutates, return any number of target creature cards with total power 10 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. <laughs> that is a mutate trigger. <laughs> That's quite the mutate trigger. But again, like, you know, this is a card that I think you're going to be more successful with, like, playing this out on turn 5 and hoping to untap with it. Right. Like, that's, like, the scenario where I can see, like, mutating one of the cheaper things onto this is, like, the better way of going about things. Mm-hmm. But this is such a hefty reanimate effect. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe sure. This is, right. And, like, this is, unlike the teamer one, where it's just like, okay, you know, you're putting some more bodies into play Mm -hmm. when you do this. Like, this you really get to pick. As long as you've set up your graveyard and you have, like, an assembly of creatures that is a good enough machine to win the game, which 10 power total, like... (laughs) You're going to be able to putting a lot of stuff back from your your graveyard, it feels like. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty... I mean, again, this is kind of not what standard is mm-hmm. about. Especially if the plan is, like, play this on turn five and then mutate onto it. Like, in my deck, that's, like, Nissa's or Teferi's or, you know, removal spells into Dream Trawlers or whatever. Like, I love somebody casting a five mana, five, five death touch lifelink that they need to untap. You know, that's a Baneslayer Angel. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, when you are playing... To fairies and narsets and counter spells, or you are playing, you know, gross spirals and nissas and, you know, hydrid crises and and ether gusts. Like that's exactly what you want your opponent to be doing. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, it does have that baneslayer problem where mm-hmm. baneslayer's been outclassed. Just if you're not coming down and doing something, then yeah, it's gonna be tough. But maybe this is good enough when you untap with it that mm-hmm. you know there's a level of baneslayer. That is going to yep. meet the requirements for any format to be good enough. Right. Is this at that level? Can you play enough mutate guys and have the graveyard shenanigans going on to really make this? There's some, there's the upside there. It exists. Mm-hmm. So it's up to the format to, to see if it's good enough, I guess. Fair enough. All right. Next, we have Obosh the Prey Piercer. This is a companion. Three and two Rakdos hybrid for a 3-5 Hellion Horror. Uh, your starting deck contains only cards with odd converted mana costs and land cards as its companion ability. And if a source you control with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to the permanent or player instead. <laughs> so this is the other companion that we alluded to earlier mm-hmm. where you can kind of get around your curve by playing some of the adventure creatures. Yeah. But I'm... Just not super impressed with this card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the restriction is very high. And, I, like, doubling your damage is fine, but mm-hmm. it's just, like, not the kind of effect is going to be so warping where you want to warp your deck. Right, so you're going to need a deck that does a bunch of, like, face damage. And, you know, you can't be using this to, like, buff your combat damage, certainly. Right. Yeah. So it's got to be something like 
like black red sacrifice like oven cat and mayhem devil are all odd mm-hmm. and you can have bone crusher in there as you're even and like if you cast this and like are able to cat a couple of times in a turn and it does two damage for each cat how does cat work does it did they lose life or does it deal damage i think it is oh no okay it does not work with cauldron familiar okay. I, I, cauldron familiar i, I guess they switched back at eldrain mm-hmm. okay so it doesn't work with cauldron familiar which makes me not really want to do this. Yeah. It does work with Mayhem Devil, but that's not sure. really... Like, if you have Mayhem Devil out, you're, you're it's good yeah. anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be spending five mana to make it double. No. Yeah, it's just not the kind of thing that you want to be doing in that deck. No. I mean, you know, if you cast this and you, like, gut shot Lava Dart you, that's four damage. <laughs> All right. Okay. Six even. Flashback to your Lava Dart? Well, I mean, we paid five mana for this, so I don't know how much mana we've got mm. on that turn. I'm trying to cast my free one mana burn spells. Okay, yeah. No, I, I feel that. <laughs> Bolt does six? Yeah, Bolt you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I so. don't believe you can get away <clears throat> with a modern burn deck with no twos in it, though. So, yeah, I agree. You want to you wanna be casting Eidolon of the Great Rebel? That's, like, the good one. Yeah, that guy's not bad, I've heard. <laughs> so I'm not high on this one. That restriction no. is tough, and the payoff is not really there. That's where I'm at with it. This card, I think, is really sweet. Oh, so cute. It's very cute. Offspring's Revenge. This is a Mardu enchantment. Two red, white, black for an enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, exile target red, white, or black creature card from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's 1-1. It gains haste until your next turn. Lots of graveyard stuff, it feels like, mm-hmm. going on in the set. Yeah. Like, do we, I, I hope to find some like pretty good enablers as well to kind of go along with these. But Yeah, there's a couple. We've got Cathartic Reunion, but... Any like, any treasures? <laughs> no, we, we didn't get anything like super clearly powerful that we'll be doing that. But okay. so this card is really neat, and you know you need to pick your monsters carefully with it. Mm-hmm. They've got to be creatures with comes into play abilities or attack triggers. Yeah, that are you know oversized for what they do. Dracuseth is a card that I've played around with that this works quite well with. You okay. get that attack trigger, and then yeah. you keep a, a baby Dragoseth that they have to deal with that <laughs> token. Or it yeah, kill so them. with this token, sticks around. Yeah. Cool. Another thing that is, you know, it's got to be red, white, or black. Niv-Mizzet Reborn is red, white, or black. Mm-hmm. So you can get that back and draw a lot of cards. Solid. It does require you to have this Mardu card in your Niv-Mizzet deck which is not the type of multicolored card you want. Sure. But, you know, p- possibility. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's a it particularly clear constructed role player in any way, but it's certainly a card that I'm going to be trying to build around because it has a powerful outsized effect that like rewards a, a linear deck construction. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's neat. I don't think it's that good. Yeah. No, that's fair. For sure. I think this card is good, though. This is Parcel Beast. Yes. Two green-blue for a 2-4 Elemental Beast. Mutate of green-blue. And it has one tap. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield. If you don't put the card onto the battlefield, put it into your hand. Yeah, we talked about this before. Yep. I think this card is one of the better Mutate cards I've seen. Yeah. It goes really, really well with... Some of the other cards that we've talked about, Arboreal Grazer, you can yeah. just Particularly activate it yeah. <laughs> the turn that you play this. And just turns your Grazer into a 2-4. Like, it turns yeah. your Grazer into an actual body. Yeah. And then, you know, I like, I think that the that, like, green-blue, like, mutate sub-theme 
deck mm -hmm. is going to be like pretty pretty strong potentially. Right. So. And this is a great way of putting extra mutate triggers into your deck. You know, if you have creatures that give you something when they mutate, mm -hmm. you know, here's a two mana mutate card that you're happy to have in your deck. Yep. Like it's going to play a huge role in there. Right. And and it's also just like and that ability is great. Yeah. If if you top deck this and you both run out of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the mutate guys are pretty medium in that situation. But this right. you are happy to slam down because it has one tap draw a card. And mm -hmm. that that'll win the game if they don't deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're excited to have Spectral Sailor in our deck, four mana draw a card. <laughs> well, it's a little different. Uh and yeah, I would like one mana draw a card. Sure you can only do it once, but Yeah. I yeah, and, good. and I mean the fact that this only costs two to mutate, like mm -hmm. that, that's this card's very good, I think. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal. Next up, we have Riel the Everwise. This is one, a blue, and a red for an O3 human wizard. Riel the Everwise gets plus one, plus O for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So, you know, we just talked about Cathartic Reunion. <laughs> Seems pretty good with Cathartic Reunion. It's not bad with Cathartic Reunion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there is, like, some sort of heavy blue-red spells strategy, yeah, then I could see this fitting in pretty well. Yeah, and the O3, like, don't... Like, this is, like, pretty easily a 3-3 three, three for 3 with upside, yeah. like, body-wise. Right, so it, it does it can, feel that way. It'll rumble. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that, that seems like a recipe for a pretty okay card yeah. if the deck wants this sort of thing. Right. And if there are enough effects that are like rummage effects or mm -hmm. even looting effects, like it works with both, right? Yep. That's a lot of cards. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, if, if like all of a sudden all of the cards in your deck that have rummage or looting on them just get extra cards out of it, mm -hmm. those cards become, you're getting a lot of velocity. So. Yeah. And if you have any jumpstart cards in your deck, mm -hmm. like those cards, you know, you discard a card as part of the cost, you get that card right back. Okay. So like Chemister's Insight you you know it's draw three cards now mm -hmm. like that's pretty good yeah so i, I like it i can see it I, I it's a little hard to play like a three mana creature enabler like a lot of control decks are like happy to see you do something like that because then they have a pretty clear play pattern of kill at end of turn or bounce it with teferi or something like that and, right. and so that that that's the risk is like this is as much as a three mana creature can be a baneslayer angel <laughs> sure so Yes, yeah. Um, it, it does have that restriction, for sure. Also, is a two-color card that gets hit by both Ether Gust and Mystical Dispute. <laughs> Why did they print those? I don't know, man. It's painful, though. It's still biting us. Oh, another ultimatum. Yep, here's the Mardu ultimatum. Ruinous ultimatum. Red, red, white, 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 black, black. Sorcery, destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. I like this one a lot. Me too. What was the original effect of this called? This is like a plague wind for plague all wind. for all types yeah. for all non land permanents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this card seems really powerful if you can get it to resolve. Uh, it's just like that effect is something that a lot of decks are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've cast a lot of casualties of war over the past year of standard. Yeah, and this so. is that plus one mana, mm -hmm. and you know, so a little harder to cast, but it just does a much better version of that in my yeah. mind. Yeah. And some of these standard boards get really cluttered with all sorts of different kinds of permanents. Right. So being able to clear them all off. This does not solve Nissa lands just like... I mean, sure. Casualties of War is pretty good at solving Nissa lands because you can target a creature and True. you can target a land. Yeah. One of the problems with planner cleansing is it mm -hmm. leaves all the 3-3s three behind. And sure. if that is a if thing... There are, if that's what you're dying to, then you're still going to die to the 12 power next turn right. or whatever it is. 
but this also leaves your stuff in play yeah and that, that's a big deal hopefully that'll make it easier to block the three threes right so, so nothing more backbreaking in a fire's mirror than this card oh my wow <laughs> true so i i bet you know mardu is a weird color combination for this expensive of a sorcery mm -hmm. hard to come up with seven mana often in your red red in your red white black yeah. deck if you don't need any black man in your deck to cast this with fires if it's like a wish target or yep. something right yeah so so certainly yeah it as far as the other ultimate you know like the other ultimatums it could serve as a wish target as far as like a main decked just like gigantic spell for these like board dedicated matchups it's a little tougher just because that mana cost is like that's a weird color combination and mm -hmm. boy it's been a while since a mardu deck has been good yeah true it's all about those blue and green spells <laughs> and this ain't got either of them right and if you're a mardu deck you usually are going to cap out at like five mana and yep. seven is a is a really big ask yeah for sure so that's that's the drawback and and maybe it is in a many colored deck that, that is edgar edgar will be this. playing this in some four to five color deck sure i promise yeah it'll just make the mana work and it'll be mostly fine and it's fine like just you know cast get, it on turn 10 but it doesn't matter use uro to get there you know <laughs> exactly perfect yeah 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 uro will be in his deck too i promise oh yeah so we're already locked into five colors <laughs> next up we've got skull prophet this is a little less impressive than some of the multicolor cards just from a impact sort of thing I, I was thinking the opposite actually i like this card a lot oh yeah yeah i just mean from like a slam this card on the table oh, sure. sort of thing yeah, this, yeah. this one you get to put slide in there on turn two mm -hmm. green black for a three one human druid human druid tap add black or green tap put the two top two cards of your library into your graveyard yeah. so earlier i was asking for some sort of like graveyard enabler mm -hmm. um this fits the bill really well yeah not only is it a two mana mana dork which are great mm -hmm. but also being able to just mill yourself a bunch to enable some of these pretty powerful graveyard cards that we've been talking about yeah it seems really strong there was a period of time where and and, and still like paradise druid is very good mm -hmm. like and one of the reasons paradise druid was good is like it comes down and then you know my opponent casts it and i look at my hand and i've got an end of turn removal spell and I just can't kill the Paradise Druid. Yeah. And so that's the sacrifice you're making when you play Skull Prophet is not playing Paradise Druid, allowing your opponent to interact with your two mana mana dork. Mm. Yeah. But point removal in standard is few and far between right now. Right. So it may not be that important to have Hexproof on your mana guy. Yeah. And we're also beyond the days of goblin chain whirler right right so sure. we don't have like when i initially saw the three one body i kind of like had that reaction of like oh no next one right but right it's no not anymore it's fine we're, we're just traumatized yeah i'm just traumatized <laughs> it's true but yeah no it's just it's just a two mana body three powers a lot yeah, like you can with a missile land or something later you, on yeah exactly yeah i guess the main reason that this is worse than paradise druid is when you're on the draw against a teferi deck and getting this bounce is, a problem. is really brutal. Teferi's a really big problem. Yeah, I actually tried playing... We were debating between Paradise Druid and the new enchantment. Wolf Willowhaven. Wolf Willowhaven. Mm -hmm. And I got that bounced by Teferi a couple times. Yeah. I also got Aether Gusted a couple times. And just all of those feel horrendous. <laughs> so, Yeah, so maybe that is standing in the way just because there's like a better version of this effect mm -hmm. in, in Paradise Druid. And also... You know, Paradise Druid, sometimes you draw Forest, Forest, Forest. 
And and you're like, okay, well, I hope this Paradise Druid survives and I get to cast my spells. Yep. And, you know, Skull Prophet, you do have to have black and green mana on turn yeah. two. So it's it's never really going to be fixing your mana like Paradise Druid can. Yeah. So. Well, it may be fixing it if you're casting an ultimatum. You may not okay. be there on that right. ultimatum. Yeah, yet. fair. <laughs> fair. But yeah, like, Mana Ramp is going to obviously continue to be pretty good with these expensive mm-hmm. stuff, so. Yeah. No, I, I do like this card, and just like... You know, mana dorks are good, and if you're a deck that's in the market for some sort of graveyard, even if enabling. you have only Uro in your deck, mm-hmm. this is like probably a good card. Sure. All right. Next, we've got Snapdax Apex of the Hunt. This is the Mardu Apex, one red, white, black for a three-five double strike. It's got mutate for two, a uh, Rakdos hybrid, and two white. Whenever this creature mutates, it deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls, and you gain four life. This is one of the Apex Predators that I've actually liked the most just as its body. Mm. Four mana for essentially a 6-5. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. yeah. That's really big. And, you know, the upside of just, like, mutating onto, like, it mutating onto something else, turning it into a 3-5 double strike seems really powerful. Like, maybe even you mutate onto something that had more than three power, and all of a sudden it's even bigger. Because mm-hmm. you can keep the other... You can you get the double strike no matter what, but you get right. to keep the other power and toughness. This card does seem pretty strong. And the mutate for five mana, coming down, killing something... I think that this has a lot of really strong play yeah, patterns it, to it. it does kind of get... The, like, this type of card, again, is, like, often not what standard is about. But if you're playing a creature-based matchup, mm-hmm. like, this thing is, like, a very powerful necrotal kind of effect yeah i mean it hits planeswalkers yeah i i think it's i think it's really strong i i'm actually pretty high on this card and i think that if there is some sort of mardu aggressive strategy mm-hmm. it's gonna work out pretty well yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's a little mid-range but yeah like this is definitely the apex predator that does the best job of cast me for my mana cost and then threaten to mutate onto me mm-hmm. because it only costs four and right. is like four is a lot different than five yeah in that regard and the fact that you 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 can mutate for just five mana, like I I like the sound of turn five mutating this onto one of my other creatures mm-hmm. and killing something and then attacking with the now double strikey right threat. Like, this it is feels kind of like the Glorybringer in that regard. This is an absolute nightmare for like a black red sacrifice kind of deck to play against this. Like this comes down, kills mm-hmm. your three mana guy, yep. gains life, right. and then hits you really hard. And just, like, threatens to keep tearing your engine apart if you don't find a way to kill it. Right. Um, I don't know what the deck looks like that is able to play this and has a bunch of mutate guys in it, or at least a a reasonable number. Yeah. Because, you know, like, Parcel Beast was our favorite one, and that certainly doesn't go into a deck with this guy. Right, for sure. Yeah, this kind of deck is going to be very different than what I envision the best mutate deck is going to be, which is going to be this blue green tempo mm-hmm. low to the ground yeah deck so yeah so uh, it may be a good card that just doesn't have the friends to do the thing and that would be a little disappointing if that's what happened with it yeah for sure okay here we got <laughs> oh boy oh boy song of creation one green blue red enchantment you may play an additional land on each of your turns whenever you cast a spell draw two cards at the beginning of your end step discard your hand so do we think this gets there, or do we think it doesn't get there? Whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards. That's nuts text. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a lot of formats with a lot of free spells. Mm-hmm. So Cheerios is a deck. Sure. Based on trying desperately to assemble 
two of the single effects that are whenever you cast a spell, draw a card. Right, you're only drawing one card per that effect. This is both of those put together. Yeah, <laughs> like, you draw two cards. Yeah. I think that there, there's potential to be decks that are built around Song of Creation where if you cast it for four mana, you're just going to win the game. Yeah. So that's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, I think in Modern, play this. You have Mox Amber and Misha's Bauble as like very clearly playable zero mana cards. Mm-hmm. And oh, Modern has infinite zero mana cards yeah. if you don't care about them doing anything. So Right. Well, so the thing is you also have to have your deck be reasonably functional when you don't have your four mana enchantment in play. Yeah. Or very good at putting I'm... the four mana enchantment into play. Mm-hmm. One or the other. So got to figure that puzzle out. In standard, you know, the lists that I've seen are basically just a pile of explorers, Song of Creation, mm-hmm. and Thassa's Oracle. Yeah. Or or you can run it with Gigantha as a companion. Then you can okay. just run Fae of Wishes and Jace as your win condition. Sure. So, yeah. That, like, the potential for this card is obviously just through the roof. Yeah. I, my prediction is that it's, it's likely to create a couple of like tier two decks Mm -hmm. in multiple formats Mm -hmm. with the potential of just completely breaking it in one of the formats and getting banned yeah that's my prediction and i think most decks with it are going to be deck yourself win the game right i think that's what that's what you're gonna be trying to make your deck for sure so yeah there are ways to set this up so that you can pass the turn and then win the game so you can just get this down as soon as you have four mana Mm -hmm. toss your hand and then as long as you have a jumpstart card in your graveyard an escape card in your graveyard which you fueled by discarding your hand uh, an adventure creature or a companion like any of those things can kind of get the chain going companions are kind of expensive so maybe that doesn't work out great but and it works perfectly with baubles because the bauble you just sit and play and yeah you know so i get the end of your turn draw on my turn yeah Uh, so i'll discard my hand and then i'll draw a bunch of cards later Seems like a good play pattern, for sure. You know, there is a risk with this card when you do, like, cast it to set up for the next turn, and you discard your hand, and then they naturalize it, and then you're like, okay, well, I gotta win the game with this, like, flashback card and this companion, Yeah, and that's probably not gonna happen. But the upside is very, very high. The floor is obviously, like, kind of low. The floor is mostly, like, it's a four-mana card that your deck is relying on, and it could get dealt with. Yeah, yeah, uh, certainly. You know, it's, it's nuts. Every whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards is just crazy text. <laughs> yeah. So, very crazy text indeed. There's probably a lot. You know, if there were week one tournaments, such as the Lotus Box Standard tournament we are having this weekend, very true. I think there is a lot of upside to just bringing a Song of Creation deck that people aren't ready to beat yet. Yeah, because right, if like if you can figure out in the next couple of days, like this week, a good Song of Creation deck, people aren't guaranteed to have the naturalizes that they're going to need to beat you. Yeah, and if they're playing some um, Nissa Uro deck or whatever, although scratch that. I mean, they'll have either gust. They'll have either gust, and this hits hit by, the, by either gust and, and Mister Mystical Speed. Yeah, so that's okay. Maybe for standard, it's not the best idea. I mean, you've just got to be ready to fight that fight. Yeah, you've got to have sure. your own Mystical Disputes. Maybe main deck. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be a lot of blue decks, anyways, probably. Like Teferi goes really well in combo decks, but I don't know how, if you can afford that mana. Well, cost. so I think song I think the song of creation deck in standard is likely running twenty eight plus lands, mm-hmm. maybe even like thirty or so, because your deck right. is like all explorers. Yeah, yeah. So with that many lands, I don't think it's a big cost to play a, a fourth color. Sure. So I can see that. Anyways, card is nuts. <laughs> Let's move on Ooh. to Sprite Dragon. Yay! 
Uh, red blue for a 1-1 fairy dragon with flying and haste. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on sprite dragon. Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit. Before. It has potential to be very strong in some sort of is it spells deck yeah. as a threat there. Uh, I don't think it'll see play in any older formats, but I could definitely see it being a key piece of some new standard deck. Yeah, especially like if we keep going with the standard where like spot removal is very few and far between. Planeswalkers are pretty important. Like grinding with big heavy spells is a, a, a major part of the format. This as a threat that can come down combined with like a burn spell to kill a lot of planeswalkers pretty easily. And also just like Brineboard Cutthroat obviously like has flash. So its ability to sit there and as you counter spells and you never tap out on their turn is like quite good. But this also just allows you to play your game at your own sort of pace. Like you can play burn spells on your turn to kill stuff, get plus one plus one counters on this thing. Yeah. Counter spells on their turn, get plus one plus one counters on this thing. And you know, it's very it can be very effective even on the turn it comes down. Like Sprite Dragon, shock your guy, opt, attack your planeswalker is like pretty good. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, no, I like that a lot for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I like this card. I'll be trying to do stuff with it. But <laughs> it, it really does. It's got all... that like Phoenixy yeah. Drake feel to it. So the, I know you're into it. The requirement, like creatures that require your deck to be filled with spells, mm-hmm. are generally like I like that design of Magic yeah, yeah. Card. No, for sure. It's a good one. Um. All right. This one is Titan's Nest. This is a Sultai enchantment. One black, green, blue. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Exile a card from your graveyard, add one colorless. Spend this mana only to cast a colored spell without X in its mana cost. Weird. Very weird. It gives all of your colored spells delve, basically. Yes. Except for your X spells. Except for your X spells, which definitely would be nice to give delve. So they they thought of that. Yeah. Is that good enough for a four mana enchantment? I don't think so. We already have so many four mana and five mana engines that just double your mana without mm-hmm. you doing any work except yeah. for kind of deck building wise i mean delve is a powerful mechanic so if if there is some sort of deck that could just like already have a bunch of cards in its graveyard and then you resolve this and then you untap and you can do like a lot of different stuff yeah maybe, maybe. but having like a do nothing in your deck to enable that that's four mana is yep. a lot I, I don't really see it. Like, the reason Delve is good is because, like, you know, there's a reason that Gurmag Angler sees a ton of play and Tombstalker sees no play whatsoever. Like, yeah. making that spell not actually really cost you mana at all. Mm-hmm. And this requires a four mana upfront investment. So, right. it's a lot. Um, yeah, you have to be comboing something. You have to be doing some synergy stuff that lets you, like, cast a bunch of spells. Mm-hmm. And that's tough. You're going to run out of cards in your graveyard. So. Yes, pretty quickly. Delve is one of those mechanics that's really good because you have, like, four spells in your deck that have Delve. Mm-hmm. And they're the spells that when you draw, you, like, have your chock full graveyard ready to go. But we know that you can't overdo it on Delve stuff. And yeah. this card is like, all right, you can pay four mana to give every single one of your cards Delve. And that's like... But wait. I, <laughs> that's what we were trying I to avoid. I can't do that. It's I'm not going to have enough resources. So that, that said, it is a mana engine. And so us being like, eh, I don't really see it. There's like a really good chance that's just us being short-sighted about what a, any particular yeah, mana engine Yeah, it is a mana do. engine. Um, those are always broken, so, I, yep. you know, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I mean, 
we didn't underestimate wilderness reclamation or fires of invention and we mm-hmm. were like pretty on it with this so like we've been pretty decent about recognizing the good mana engines for what they are right and so i i don't think we've been missing low on these things so mm-hmm. i'm not too it's not super likely that we're like screwing up this evaluation mm-hmm. it's just possible yeah also i don't know something rubs me the wrong way about this card art yeah <laughs> where it's like like okay is it is it just black and white but no there's a little bit of green over there and then just like the whole thing looks yeah weird on the gold card background i don't know it is a little straight it does look kind of like an older card art a little like like an older card like the way the gold cards used just to be the way point. that the card art interacts with the rest of like the background is jarring to okay me. yeah it is a little strange look. definitely a little nitpicky there. <laughs> After we, you know, kind of <laughs> dunked on the card. <laughs> it's like, also. Also. <laughs> yeah, I hate this. <laughs> I just hate everything about this. All right, next we've got Vadrock, Apex of Thunder. This is the Jeskai Apex. Uh, blue, red, white for a 3-3 flying first strike with mutate of one, an Azorius hybrid, and two red. Whenever this creature mutates, you may cast target non-creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. So this is one of those cards that's like put creatures and spells into your deck, uh-huh. but it also but. like requires you to have multiple creatures. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this with the with the other what was it a Drake? No, with one of the other evolve guy or the mutate, guys? The mutate guy that, we, that I was initially high on but didn't like. Yeah, that's true. This is actually pretty similar to to Lordrakis. Yeah, yeah, at least in like concept. It, well, it has the same problem as that card, which yeah. is that. You're playing this mutate card that is going to require you to run a density of non-human creatures in your mm-hmm. deck, and then it's also requiring you to run a density of spells in your deck, and that just feels yeah off. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, three mana, three three flying first strike is like not a bad stat line, mm-hmm. and then if you had some amount of just like okay removal spells or burn spells that can go to the face or whatever and then you do want to mutate onto this but it's really going to depend on just like what mutate creatures you are excited you know when we had like explore synergies we knew which explore creatures were playable and what we could put into a deck together yeah what can you do with wild growth walker well it is merfolk branch walker jade light ranger maybe one of the other bad ones from like a, a seeker square or something like that right after we play with the set a little bit we will have in our heads like the list of mutate creatures that we're okay with putting into our decks yeah yeah and and that will make it easier to understand what you can do with these mutate cards yeah i agree with that for sure not quite there yet yeah i mean it, it's possible that mostly this card is like you have burn spells in your blue red deck and you put this onto an early creature to get a recast of a burn spell and upgrade your creature. Like mm-hmm. that's not a terrible deal for this mana cost. No, but it really depends on the spells and the creatures that you get to put in your deck. Honestly, the, one of the things that we might be underrating about this card is being able to give one of your other creatures flying in first. Strike. Yeah. Like the keywords on mutate, like some of the mutate cards I'm sure are just like, put this keyword on your card. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe that's something that we're overlooking a little bit. This like, actually goes super well with the octopus. 
Yeah, give it flying. Right. So, and whatever order it happens in, right, basically. Right. Like, mm-hmm. give it flying. Or if you have this in play and you have the octopus in your hand mm-hmm. and a counter spell in your graveyard. Oh, yeah. You mutate onto this, counter the spell, and now this thing has... Now we're talking. Yeah. That's kind of sick. Mm-hmm. I'm and kind the, of into that. The octopus works really well because, you know, if we're going to need to be drawing creatures and spells yeah better to draw extra cards every turn yeah, yeah. that that's how you find them that's how you get the ratio right is <laughs> yeah. you just load yourself you up just draw a bunch of cards yeah i'll just draw into all my synergies yes thanks yeah yeah um i don't know there's, there's like the mana cost on this thing is about as low as it can be for a three color card with a like alternate casting ability mm-hmm. and there's probably some way of making this work Yep. reasonably not in a lot of different decks it's it's very limited in the type of deck you can put it in mm-hmm. but uh, especially because it's so good with the with sea dasher octopus like I, I could see it okay here we've got whirlwind of thought um one blue red white for an enchantment whenever you cast a non-creature spell draw a card i believe that if song of creation weren't spoiled before this mm-hmm. everybody would have been freaking out about this yeah, card right but like this like after song of creation yeah. it's kind of like Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, just one card oh, just, every time yeah. you cast Wait, a Just spell? one? Oh, come on. Get out of here. And it has to be, it has to be a non-creature spell? What yeah. are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> you land this in your interactive deck, yeah. and you either protect it or just know that they don't have a response to it because sure. it's game one. Yeah. You're just, like, going to bury them. Yeah. I mean, certainly an excellent card advantage card and honestly i wouldn't be surprised if this is the card that ends up breaking some format mm-hmm. whereas song of creation like falls short just like because of the fact that song of creation has to like you have to discard your hand mm-hmm. it's like not going to fit really well you like have to warp your deck around it this you just need to be playing a spells deck and yeah. there are plenty of those yeah. so yeah it's just very easy to and and like even in standard like stomp something you know, counter a spell. Oh, yeah. Play Whirlwind of Thought with, like, Mystical Dispute Up or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you you win. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You did it. And, and it's, you know, you don't need to be playing specific interaction stuff. Mm-hmm. Any of your... Get to you know, draw a card off of your adventure spells. Right. That's great. Right. Uh, when, yeah, when you, you petty theft something, draw a card. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Gotta cast this Banishing Light, draw a card. Like, <laughs> I think this card is very good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there will be an interactive chess guy deck mm-hmm. that just... Because, like, the four mana Planeswalkers are not that impressive. And this just stands in as, like, a sub for that sort of permanent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly think that this... Because it's just not hard to, like, figure out what kind of deck this goes into. Right. So I think that this is certainly prime for being well-positioned to go in a powerful deck. Yep. All right, we're getting close to the end of the gold cards. Okay. Um, and I know it's been a long time, but that's honestly like half of the cards that we're going over today okay. is gold cards. So. Great. Yeah, I was It's like, all right, we're still in gold cards. It's been two hours. <laughs> a bunch of the monocolor sections have like seven-ish cards. Sure. So yeah, yeah. Next we have Winota, Joiner of Forces. This is two, a red, and a white. Whenever a non-human creature you control attacks... Look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of the cards onto the bottom of your library in a random order. So another weird like deck building constraint. Gotta be is playing like, humans and non-humans. Yeah, you, you have to have density of both. And that's difficult. It's tough. The, um, yeah. The curve that I've seen a lot of people really excited about is Legion Warboss into Winota. <laughs> 
Okay. You get a lot of triggers. Legion War Boss. So it triggers for each of your non-human creatures attacking. Yeah. Um, So if your goblins survive, then you get three, but at least you're getting two triggers off of that immediately. Mm -hmm. You have to be playing at least 16 or 18 humans in order to be like be reliably hitting okay and you probably want them to be yeah i'll have to run all the numbers through evan when we're building our decks to be like all right what's what's the count that we need to hit each one if there are some powerful humans to hit yeah then i I might be in for that this is a deck that i think somebody else is gonna have to show me the list yeah before i'm like okay yeah i'll try that like this is a deck that i will put no time into building myself but will like pop up as a five zero, right? And I'll look at it and be like, oh, "They did it!" <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, it probably will feature Legion War Boss since it's on color and and on curve and works perfectly here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not quite a Baneslayer Angel because you do get if you have the attacking creatures ready to go, then you get immediate value out of it, and that's really powerful potentially. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if the deck composition exists to allow this to be a good deck on its own that is good with Winota Joiner of Forces. Because, like, when you don't draw her and your deck is, like, you look at a hand that's, like, Legion Warboss and General Kudrov and, like, what am I doing with these cards <laughs> in my deck? I mean, like, if if all of the cards come together to culminate into what's just a good Boros beatdown strategy... That's ideal, yeah. Like, okay, like, sure, we've, we've like, built a good Boros speeddown strategy, and then, incidentally, I have the right ratio of humans and non-humans. Yeah. So I can play this card. Yeah. I could I could see that coming together. Yeah. Like, Feather is a nice lead into this as well, potentially. Okay. Could be. Because, um, you know, you clearly have permanents in your deck that you want to protect. Yeah. Well, although, maybe that composition then becomes impossible, is having mm, yeah. humans, that non-humans, seems... and pump spells. That one seems tough. Yeah, that does seem tough. I think that we're going to be primarily a creature beatdown. Yeah, that's true. The strategy. Yeah, just a couple of ember cleaves in there. and yeah. yeah. Call it a day. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I I don't see it, but wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes up with it. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Now we've got Yorion Sky Nomad. All right. Another companion, the Azorius one. Three and two Azorius hybrid for a four-five legendary creature bird serpent. Companion, your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the minimum deck size. So it's a four-five with flying. When it enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-land permanents you own and control. Return those battlefield return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. So because they were feeling bad that Battle of Wits hadn't gotten any sweet inclusions, <laughs> they were like, Battle Battle of Wits needs a little extra consistency. Let's give him let's give him a companion. Well Okay, but that's a little <laughs> far. And I, I would I would probably be in a a place of like not taking this card super seriously either, except that Sam Black is a huge believer in this card. Okay. And like very publicly a huge believer in it. Mm. Wrote an article about how good he thinks it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I agree yet. But Sam Black has been, like, in he-don't-miss mode for a while. Okay. And uh, there's something here. So, like, playing extra cards is something that... I I don't think that you want to do this in standard, because the drop-off from the best cards to the medium cards is so massive. Yeah. In modern, that is much less the case, especially if you're doing something in a deck where, like, this blink ability is good. You have lots of options. You also are kind of incentivized to play extra cards because that lets you play more 
mystic sanctuaries without drawing all your mystic sanctuaries all the time like you have a fine ratio of real lands to mystic sanctuaries right. and, and that is kind of neat and having this be your free eighth card every game basically like a five mana four five flyer that comes down and does a bunch of very real stuff sure like probably is worth multiple cards and tempo when it comes down mm -hmm. like I don't know that that gets there, but the fact that Sam Black believes in it and is building towards it makes me be like, okay, it, I won't be surprised now if it happens. So I can certainly be sold on the concept of this companion cost doesn't cost you as much as you think it does. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, like in Eternal Formats, you can certainly sell me on putting 20 extra cards in your deck isn't that bad. Yeah. But I just don't think that this card is enough of a payoff to, like, get excited about that. It sounds to me like we're getting a little excited to be able to make that argument. Maybe that was something that Sam Black was thinking about before this card. And was like, it's not actually that bad to put a, you know, extra mm -hmm. cards in your deck. Um, as long as your ratios are correct or whatever. But I just don't think that, like, this 4-5 that blinks a bunch of your stuff is, like, the payoff that is going to like really make that happen i would agree particularly modern except we just saw that niv mizzet is apparently the best deck in modern <laughs> okay so like yeah. five mana grindy creatures is like a thing yeah but this requires a lot of like other setup as well like you need to have other permanents in play that have some sort of right like... but like arkham's astrolabe is one of those permanents yeah you know like i get it I but do know. you do you really need your like five mana payoff card to do more than what Nivmizit does, which is like draw you four cards? Well, but this didn't take up a card in your hand. You didn't have to draw it. <laughs> yeah, and you have access to it every game. Yeah, like I oh, like I'm I'm playing the like it's not quite devil's advocate. It's just like no, I'm here for it. Absolutely. Know, I, I I have not convinced myself of this yet. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, this could do it and, and yeah i mean i think you're right the main thing here is like playing extra cards obviously is bad mm -hmm. in modern the po power curve is relatively flat for a lot of the stuff you're doing like you know you look at niv mizzet these niv mizzet decks and it's like yes there is a way to build it properly for a metagame but like you're just like looking at a, a, a huge list of like ooh, lightning helix is good ooh, ice fang coaddle is good ooh, ren six is good and it's like whatever put them in the deck like put a lot of them in the deck it's fine <laughs> like uh so i don't know that this is the thing that makes you end up doing that but it's a thing that doesn't cost you as much as you know we've been hardwired to believe okay i can be convinced of that for so. sure yeah i know i would be excited to see what the uh yorian decks look like yeah um, this is not the one that you figure it out and then come win the Lotus Box standard tournament with, I don't believe. <laughs> okay. I, I think in standard, like, you pick your good card, mm -hmm. you play four of it, you build your deck around it, and... Oh, but you better believe that my draft deck is going to have Companion if I if I open a Yurion. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will be registering a 60-card deck. The power level drops off pretty hard at some point in Limited once you add 20 oh, cards to your draft deck. good cards. <laughs> fine yeah if your draft goes okay you can probably pull it off but you know it actually seems really tough to pull off because not only do you like, have to draft good cards but you also have to draft good cards with etbs yeah that's true and a lot of the etb space in this set is taken up by mutate triggers right so and but flickering a mutate 
Tid. It doesn't work out well for creature. you. Creature. Do you, do you lose one? You don't lose them. Do they just come back separately? They come back separately. Yeah, that seems fine. It's like fine. Great even. But you don't like get the mutate triggers then. No. You just like separate your creatures. creatures right, sometimes. right. And, and so you could, you're like, probably upping your power and toughness total. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you are going to be like adding board presence when you do something like that. Probably. Most of the time. True. True. But you're not likely getting several powerful ETB triggers in no. this set. So. For sure. Um, and then next we have Zerda, the Dawn Waker. This is one and two Boros for a 3-3 legendary creature, Elemental Fox. Its companion requirement is each permanent card in your starting deck has an activated ability. Uh, abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana cost to less than one mana. Uh, one tap target creature can't block this turn. So this is another one where we're like, okay, this is another companion that you can just put into any deck that doesn't have any creatures. Yeah. <laughs> right, if you're just all like spells and planeswalkers. Those all have activated abilities. Yep, you so did it. You get a free three mana, three, three. Mm -hmm. It also just makes Grim Monolith and Basalt Monolith into one card infinite mana combos. That's fun. I guess. <laughs> is it? Yeah. It seems really, like, not cool for that format. Uh Oh, yeah. Wow, that's actually huge. Yeah. So, wait. Grim and Basalt Monolith. What formats are those both legal in? Is it just Legacy? Yeah. Legacy and Vintage, I guess. I, but... Sure, and Vintage. But, yeah. Certainly not Neat. modern legal. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe there's some, like, infinite mana combo deck that arises out of that. Probably, because it's not really... Like, if the... you if you have a deck that that wants to run those cards anyways and can make the mana for this guy, like, they just become one, you know, mm -hmm. one card infinite mana things that yeah. then cast Ulamog or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Because kind of, like, the problem before Companions was that those types of infinite mana strategies were really clunky because it was a A plus B plus C yeah. thing where it's like, okay, I, I assembled my infinite mana. Mm -hmm. Now I need also to have something that I can do with it. Yeah. But if you have it as your companion, as just like, okay, I drew my card that pairs with my companion that makes infinite mana, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it becomes much more reasonable to like cobble together something to do with it. Yeah. Um, Definitely the Grim Monolith decks generally are going to have a hard time making, like, White White or Red Red. True. Because they're Ancient Tomb decks usually. Yeah. Right. And you can't just, like, Grim Monolith into <laughs> Zerda. Right, right. Well, unless you have some Astrolabes around. <laughs> but those are hard without basics. Yeah. It's, but, it does seem tough to assemble it all together, for sure. But there's probably a way. If you make the mana work, then the mm -hmm. combo is just, like, very powerful and very... Yeah easy right um but also just for standard your deck is just spells and planeswalkers and you know you do have to like not play banishing light effects in your your control deck or whatever you need to find substitutes for those because okay. those are permanents without activated abilities yeah but it may be worth that sacrifice just to have a 3-3 three, three that you can cast when you need to pressure a planeswalker or a block for a planeswalker maybe so yeah as long as there are reasonable replacements for that then yeah you'd probably want to do it yeah Okay, that's the last of the multicolored cards. That was it for yeah. all right, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we got a couple of monocolored cards. Okay, so great, I'm ready. All right, um, I'm gonna let you read for a while. Yes. So here we. Yeah, I was ready for like the next section to start up, but it just didn't. <laughs> I know. Maybe we could have figured out a different way to to hand these off, but it's fine. I'll I'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so onto the white cards. Mm -hmm. We have Cub Warden. So this is three and a white for a cat three five. 
with mutate to white white has lifelink and whenever this creature mutates create two one one white cat creature tokens with lifelink it's a cat it's a cat like all right we got our companions three cats <laughs> it's 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 a lot of cats yeah a lot of cats in the set i like that yeah i mean this card is seems fine it once again i'm having trouble evaluating the Whenever this creature mutates, mm -hmm. triggers. I'm so used to seeing like, okay, ETBs. I don't know how to evaluate that. Right and now, it's like, all right, you have this ETB kind of, and it's nice that the mutate cost is pretty much the same as the converted mana cost for this one because mm -hmm. you can just like put it on a creature, for but then you don't get the body. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to evaluate. Right. I'm, I'm really gonna need to, more experience with mutate. I'm feeling like definitely. I mean, this is very good with that companion lord. Like, yes, making. If this mutates onto whatever mm -hmm. somebody, then you get like your lord the mutate play. lord. <laughs> well, yeah, or the, 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 the yeah, lord. you could just put it on the lord. It curves into it nicely, and then makes your your tokens bigger. Um, if you mutate it onto something else, then you get to you know attack with this immediately with plus one plus one. So yeah. this is a four six life link. That's um, really good. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. So and like, there is just gonna be a kind of lowering of the bar for creatures with mutate if you do want to run some of those powerful creatures with mutate triggers you know yeah so that that helps this as well potentially yeah. i don't know what those decks look like yeah this feels like it might go into that mardu deck with the uh yeah was it the the like the three five double, the double strike, strike yeah yeah i mean adding lifelink onto your double striker is like pretty good yeah i like that get get some guys out of the way create some chump blockers like mm-hmm like that's certainly really good in any creature based matchup. Right. So, yeah. I I can see that. I mean, this card seems strong. 4 mana is kind of a lot Pushing for this it. effect yeah. in constructed. I would not be surprised to have this just be a limited rare. Hey, you top aided with Regal Caracol in your deck. You top aided yeah, with Jupy with that thing. That's true. I certainly did. A little different than I was kind of duplicating negate specifically. Yes. So, Regal Caracol. I do love some cats. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> All right, here's a quick one. Divine Arrow, one in a white instant, deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Main reason that this one seems possible is you just sometimes need, like, exactly this removal effect at this mana cost. Mm -hmm. And if we're doing something like running the Fox, you know, this sort of the, the like, second tier of removal spells or whatever might be important to make your deck fit into a companion requirement sure so yeah. this is my like example card for that particular metric of of card evaluation the biggest issue i have with this card for standard is that a lot of the important things to get off the board don't have to attack sure i'm thinking about edgewall innkeeper and mayhem devil yeah it's just like savvy players are gonna be like I'm not gonna get this skilled all right yeah, I'm not attacking with either of these, so I'm just going to keep on generating value with it, and that'll be a, a problem if yep. your removal spell is this. Yep. So definitely an issue there, but I do see the argument for it when you can't run your glass casket. Sure. This is Dranith Magistrate, one in a white for a 1-3 human wizard. Your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. So no Uro for you. Right. That's... That's pretty good. That's something. Yeah. Your 2-mana 1-3 is not necessarily a card that you want against most of the Uro mm -hmm. decks. Yeah. This card also shuts off the the ultimatum that we talked about. Oh, true. Yeah, it um, kind of like does a Teferi it thing. It does a Teferi thing where it shuts off the ultimatum and then, you know, the same things that Teferi shuts off. Like, yeah. Like uh, 
bring to light. Yeah. Kind of shenanigans. Shuts down like Underworld Breach as well. Yeah, Breach, an excellent hate card against Breach. I think that there are certainly good utility spots for this. Yeah. It's a human. Honestly, I think, like, you know, everybody is always scraping to ask me for cards that could fit into modern humans. We found one. That here's one that you're okay we with. We found one. Let's put it in the sideboard of humans. I'm in. <laughs> I think that this is, like, out of everything, one of the more likely, like, good hate cards that's a human. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, a specific hate card. Mm-hmm. If you want to stop people from casting spells from their graveyard or from their whatever, like, yeah. you know, it certainly turns off, like mind's desire type effects i mean mm-hmm. like urza can't activate what to, you know are they gonna ban this in commander too are they gonna ban this in, yeah that's true i'm sure they probably will <laughs> can't cast spells from your commander. do they zone. have to <laughs> they probably have to yeah okay two mana one three no commanders for anybody yeah i mean in in like brawl or they're... your opponents can't what <laughs> it's not it's not everybody it's just for your opponents yep. no commanders for not me. They, they banned Sorcerer's Spyglass in Brawl because it turns off your opponent's uh, Planeswalker commander. So I'm sure that they're going to ban this as well. Although this is a little easier to deal with than, you know, an artifact. But it definitely it definitely shuts down your opponent's commander. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. <laughs> oh, silly. But yeah. Alright. Fight as one. So this is a single white for an instant. Choose one or both. Target human creature you control gets a plus one, plus one, and gains indestructible until end of turn. And or target non-human creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains indestructible until end of turn. So, you know, it does seem like they are trying to support the my deck contains both humans and Mm non-humans kind of thing. And this is the card that lets you run that red white legend and feather and legion war boss this and the pump pure, spell beautiful yeah perfect, perfect with feather yeah. uh it's this is fine yeah it's know. just one of these right. spells like just one of those get my things indestructible yeah i'm not not super excited to see these these days to be honest they're always a fair amount. and they're, they're, always they're worse fine. than god's willing usually. yeah exactly it's kind of cool that this can hit two things yeah probably only really applicable against something like a wrath effect or if you really want to get I, I like definitely something you're gonna need to know about for yeah. limited it's like you know if yeah. my opponent has a fight with, as one and Oof. i'm like blocking with two creatures <laughs> it's it's gonna be rough yeah this is gonna lead to a lot of limited blowouts but this is also like if you are wrathing and they have a human and a non-human and they can cast fight as one like mm-hmm. you're gonna lose that game yeah no i agree and i kind of don't like that in my pump spells the pump spells that are too good get annoying and i love pump spells in limited pump mm-hmm. spells is like my favorite thing to do in limited i play them when people don't think that they're good when when it's like i just can't play around this pump spell like what was the one that's like target creature gets plus one plus one another target creature gets minus one minus one for a single oh god skullduggery yeah, yeah skullduggery was nuts skullduggery is not okay yeah. and this feels like it can have similar or even like potentially more blowouts than that card so yeah I don't like that. Yeah, Skullduggery was like the best black common almost. It was <laughs> like yeah. yeah, yeah. That card was real. I, I think that probably this w- sees very limited play in constructed, but mm-hmm. there there is there are times where this is going to be the thing that you want. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Garrison Cat. So this is a single white mana for a one one cat. When Garrison Cat dies, create a one one white human soldier creature token. They really made this as like as weak of this type of doom traveler as they possibly could. no yeah. abilities on either side of the thing no flying no lifelink oh, yeah what's going on here yeah um but i mean it does have something that neither of the other cards do 
It's a cat. It's a cat. Yeah. Can't be that. <laughs> I mean, if you need a one one for your your cat deck. Yeah, <laughs> we got a cat lord. Yeah, we got a cat lord, one. but it, it, your two two now is gonna die into a one one. Then, that is so. a, that is pretty lame. Yeah. If it died into a cat, mm-hmm. like I'd be more into it, honestly. But yeah, we already have a doom traveler in this form. We have a hunted witness that really doesn't see any yeah. play at all. And... But you know, we do have like sacrifice strategies, so maybe yeah, there's something there. White know. is a weird color for that right now. Yep. All right. Next up, we have Lava Brink Venturer. So this is two and a white for a 3-3 human soldier. As Lava Brink Venturer enters the battlefield, choose odd or even. And it wants to remind everybody that zero is even. Controversial. (laughs) Yeah. Lava Brink Venturer has protection from each converted mana cost of the chosen value. So kind of like this weird like pro, ideally half of your opponent's stuff. You know, well, if ideally, you know... like all of your opponent's stuff. Well, okay, sure. Matters, right? Yeah. It, like, I, I think we're only playing this card if there are decks that mm-hmm. like choosing one Get makes some. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, when I'm saying ideally, I was like in this like you know game design mode. Oh, I, guess, I see. Yeah, sure. Where it's like a balanced card would be like half of the stuff. Right. That um, that makes them have to like prioritize which removal spells right. they're using in which sure. way. But more realistically, I think that you're right where this is only really going to see play when I'm like, okay, I know that they're running bolts and teferis, so I'm going to choose odd, and Mm -hmm. they're screwed. Yeah. So. Yep. But yeah, I mean, cool design, I think. Yeah, I think it's neat, and I I think it is not... I think potentially it has the potential to create metagame churn through, like, one card here. Mm -hmm. Like decks come in that all of their like creatures and removal spells are odd or even because those are mm-hmm. the good ones yeah this card becomes good in some deck those decks have to adapt and right. include ways they'll have the meddling mage effect yeah of like all right gotta diversify, gotta diversify my suite. odds and evens <laughs> um so you know as far as protection goes i don't think it's mm-hmm. i don't think it has the sins of protection where just like happens to shut down entire sure. decks like yeah you yeah, can yeah. switch your deck around to beat this card and i think that's healthy and good yeah no i i think that this is definitely a cool design and i think that it'll pl- hopefully it'll play out as intended most of the time where it's like maybe you can like figure out a way to get like half of their stuff so it makes for interesting games and it mm-hmm. doesn't just lock people out yeah all right next up we have light of hope so this is a single white for an instant Choose one, you gain four life, destroy target enchantment, or put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. So I know that most of the time people are going to be playing this for the destroy target enchantment effect. Yeah. It's a you know single white instant destroy target enchantment. That's like people want access to something like that. We've played Demystify. Yeah. At times it mm-hmm. was like the card you put in to answer wilderness reclamation. Right. But I really love how sometimes, and I really hope this comes up more often than I think <laughs> it will, where you're using this as a counterspell for your opponent's destroy target creature with no plus, no counters on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that, yeah. yeah. So that's that's how I'm really going to be trying to get people. Is like, all right, I'm going to have this in my sideboard, and it's I'm going to board it in against uh, enchantment decks and also decks with Doomblade. <laughs> I'm in for that. That's great definitely yeah um it's also like potentially a fine sideboard card against mono red just Mm -hmm. like all three modes can be relevant like kill annex buy yourself an extra like attack step because you survive their ember cleave turn by two or whatever yeah or 
sometimes you you win combat with a plus one plus one counter and come right. out on top. I I really like the flexibility of this card. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Ooh, all right. This we got an exciting one. So this is Luminous Brood Moth. Two white white for a three four flying insect. Whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. This card I've heard is very strong. Okay. Based on people who I know have been testing decks with it. Interesting. Okay. Um, I know that the versus live guys have been putting this in some sort of like Mardu Aristocrats deck. Okay. So and maybe just, white like, is a sacrifice color now. It, yeah, I think that I think that it certainly could be because you just like have a bunch of dudes and you're like trying to sacrifice them for value and then they all come back mm-hmm. with flying. That adds a lot to your board. Yeah. I mean, so. I really want a way to sacrifice something for value like the turn that I cast this so yeah. that, you know, them killing this doesn't just like take up my whole turn. But I think that you can set that up. Yeah. So you have like Woe Strider out mm-hmm. and then a bunch of like dudes. Yeah. And you cast this. And sure, they could point a removal spell at it, but then you sack all your dudes. Yeah. And at minimum, you've upgraded them to having flying. Right. That's kind of nice. But yeah. ideally, you're getting some cards. Some other that. massive value. Yeah. For sure. I mean, if it's Midnight Reaper, you there it is. For Midnight Reaper purposes, it returns the card back to the battlefield yeah. with a counter on it. So you get to, like, if it dies again, it's a, it's not a token. It's or a anything. creature. It's just, like, actually the same creature. So. Yeah. Okay. I do think this card is potentially very powerful and i think that there are going to be decks that play this cool i'm in for that yep all right next we have mythos of snapdax this is two white white for a sorcery each player chooses an artifact a creature an enchantment and a planeswalker from among the non-land permanents they control then sacrifices the rest if black red was spent to cast this spell you choose you choose the permanents for each player instead so it becomes Exactly tragic arrogance if yeah. you pay black, red, white, white. Right. So it's right. It's either tra- tra- tragic arrogance or it's cataclysmic gear hulk trigger. Yeah. <laughs> one of which I'll tell you is much, much better than the other <laughs> <Yes>. one. <laughs> tragic arrogance, I remember being a, a huge card in that standard format. Mm-hmm. And another thing that didn't exist before with tragic arrogance was that it was very rare for there to be multiple planeswalkers out. Mm. But now... People, like, have an Arset on one or, like, a Teferi on one sure. and, like, a, you know, a, a bigger Planeswalker or something. So I think that that'll be, like, the Planeswalker text of this will be pretty cool. The one thing that, like, I mean, th- there's a lot of things that, like, give me pause about this card. One is, like, it costs Mardu mana to cast. <laughs> like, you have to be Mardu. You can't cast this off of Fires and sure. have it, like, really be effective. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta cast it. And that's that's a little, that may be a big ask. Or it may be a sideboard card in our you know, Mardu tokens deck or something like that. Yeah. Or Mardu sacrifice, whatever. So like that, that might be what it does, but kind of the awkward thing is like casualties of war has been really good at a bunch of times. Anytime casualties of war is good. This kind of isn't because they like get to (laughs) keep an artifact, a creature, a planeswalker, Mm -hmm. you know, and if they're keeping like three or four permanents, like, and imagine like, Say I'm the Mythos player mm-hmm. and you're the Casualties of War player. Yeah. And I cast this. Yeah. And then I <laughs> casualties <laughs> back. And I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep my best artifact, my best creature, my best enchantment, <laughs> my best planeswalker. And you're just like, all right, casualties kill them all. And I'm like, well, geez. That didn't work out at all like I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So that's kind of funny. I do think this is a powerful card, though. Sure. And I... I could see it seeing play. It sounds like they are, like, you know, Mardu is one of the wedges that they are pushing, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a Mardu deck because of that. 
So, yeah, um, we'll see what comes out of that. Yeah, and it, it certainly feels more like a sideboard card. You know, Tragic Arrogance was often a sideboard yeah. card. No, no, absolutely. For sure. I, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a main deck card, but yeah. it is powerful. All right, next up we have Sanctuary Lockdown. This is two and a white for an enchantment. Humans you control get plus one, plus one. Pay two mana, tap two untapped humans you control, tap target creature and opponent controls. So they're pushing the humans archetype again. Humans, it's just a, it's an anthem for humans. And then also has kind of the neat ability of being able to use your humans to tap down your opponent's creatures. Mm -hmm. It's kind of neat. Yeah. It's fine though. It's not, it's not great. No, it's like anthems, a three mana anthem is like well behind like how we want to pump our creatures and construct it at this point. Yeah. It would really require for there to be a humans deck that's good, mm -hmm. and for it to want like you know, I, I just want two more lords. In my yeah, I right. need two more lords in my deck, and yeah. sometimes I tap their guys at end of turn and then swing in or something. Yeah, but it's yeah. It, it's not a great card. No, I agree with that for sure. All right, on to the blue cards. All right, blue. I'm gonna keep reading just yep. to spare you. I'm totally fine with that. Okay, <laughs> this is Boon of the Wishgiver for blue blue. For sorcery, draw four cards, and it's got cycling for one. Mm -hmm. So, I I really like the design of this card. And you know, spoilers, they slapped a lot of cycling on a lot of cards. Yeah. So we're gonna be seeing quite a few of those, I'm sure. Well, I think I may have, like, definitely some of the cycling cards that are like clearly good. I mm -hmm. like made the list. Some of the some cards with cycling and the main card not being very relevant, like, are gonna see constructed play, and we're not gonna talk about today. Sure, but. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. But just do want to mention that cycling is a big part yep. of this. And I like this card specifically because blue likes cantrips. Mm -hmm. And this is not a good one. But, but it's kind of one. Counts. <laughs> Paying one mana, cycle a card. Yep. Puts um, it in your graveyard for Uro or whatever. Yeah. You know, stuff like that's good. And then, you know, the upside of, like, late game. All right, I've gone through a lot of stuff. I need a big, like, draw spell. Here we go. Yep. Draw four cards. Yeah. I like that. We have a lot of big hammery cards that you can play, and a lot of the stuff that you can put six mana into does way more than draw four cards right now. Right. And, you know, this doesn't work particularly well with, like, our mana engines that we have, mm -hmm. but the cost of having it in your deck is just so low right. that it just seems like it'll find places here and there that you might not even super expect. Yeah. Yeah, but you're totally right where... Getting card advantage without also adding to the board these days in mm -hmm. Magic is tough. Yeah. So, like, you know, a lot of this stuff comes with so much tempo these days that it's really hard to just be like, all right, six mana, rip four, right. your turn. Right. <laughs> Don't cast a Nissa or, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hydroid yeah. Crisis. Right, exactly. Like, you, you cast, like, you both run out of cards, you cast this, draw four, pass, and they're like, ooh, well, I drew Nissa. And then it's like, well, actually, I'm just behind still against you, that Nissa. Honestly, it feels like four cards against a Nissa, you need a better, one of those better have been a yeah. Noxious Grasp or something, yeah. you know? So, it's um, fine, but it's definitely not, like, crazy good or anything. I'm right. not, like, blowing my mind at this opportunity with cycling. On. Yeah, and the question is just whether that low-cost of putting it in your deck because of the cycling is enough to offset the, like, mm -hmm. we, we can't put in cards that just draw cards for mana in our deck. Yeah. But maybe if it's just, like, we do that sometimes when the game has gotten to that point, yeah. then that's fine. Um, all right, next up we have Escape Protocol. So this is one and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle a card, you may pay one. When you do, exile target artifact or creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. I want this to be Astral Slide, but it's not Astral Slide. Aw. 
sad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we got we got a density of cycling cards. This is in cycling sets. They like to put like cycling payoff enchantments that mm-hmm. do stuff. Maybe there are a bunch of like ETB stuff or something, but I just I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like it's easier to do that with Thassa mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do. Yeah, and this like. It falls short of Astro Slide in a number of ways. You can't link their stuff to keep it out of combat. Right. Um, you have to pay an extra mana for your cycles in order to get this trigger. And I think ultimately, like, the deck building requirements that go into it are just too high. And the payoff is, is not there. But if you want to blink some stuff while you're cycling, this is the way you do it. Sure. Maybe something is there at some point. We do yeah. have a lot of cards that cycle for one, which makes this only end up costing two. And that's really what you want to be doing when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, you haven't done it that many times before your mana investment is just way higher than casting a Thassa would have been. So, (laughs) yeah. Thassa, really strong. Pretty strong, yeah. I've been playing that card in Modern Cube. It's (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's definitely good in Cube. (laughs) Yeah. Woof. (laughs) I feel like I've been playing around with that kind of effect a lot recently, where I've been playing it in, in Modern Cube. And then also, I played the, uh, the Esper Vile deck with mm-hmm. Soul Herder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> it's pretty good. All right. So next up, we have Keep Safe. This is one in the blue for an instant. Counter target spell that targets a permanent you control and draw a card. Countering stuff and drawing card. Uh, it's yep. two mana, which is... More than you I'm want. just so glad that it's not one. Yeah, <laughs> Dive Down was really good. Yeah, putting draw a card on Dive like, you know, they had to ban Veil of Summer. Right. Let's not do that again. Right. I think two mana is like the appropriate casting cost for this card. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it is. Dive Down is actually probably better than this card just because like, yeah. protecting your, the... especially if it's a thing with a, a, a Sea Dasher Octopus or Curious Obsession on it. Mm-hmm. You don't need the card. You need to protect your thing. Yeah, exactly. So... I do think that the two mana will keep this out of Constructed. Yeah, and also, like... It's like... Isn't Shelter the same thing? Shelter's like two mana, yeah. draw a card, and... It gets Gives your guy protection. Gives your guy protection, and that just is, like, never really saw Constructed play. I yeah, think, so. I mean, this can... So this can protect anything. So this can protect your Wilderness Reclamation or something like that. Okay. But, you know, you have regular counter spells in your wilderness reclamation right. deck and this just doesn't fight the fight against aether gusts like you want it to true because they can just hit they things off the stack and you're just not going to do anything about that and this also gets some of its use taken away like some of its market share goes to either gust because mm-hmm. like this would be a great way to counter casualties of war but you can just either gust casualties of war and it's almost <laughs> as good so yeah yeah for sure um, yeah probably not a ton but if there is a mono blue deck that uses C Dash or Octopus, like this might be something that the deck is interested in. Yeah. But it's not. Being two mana, like dive down would definitely see standard play. This is not going to. Yeah. As, as guaranteed. All right. Next up, we have Neutralize. So this is one blue blue for an instant counter target spell and cycling two. So they put cycling two on a cancel. Clean. Yeah. Clean. Powerful. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, this. I, I would be amazed if this saw no constructed play. Yeah, it's it's just going to. Yeah, I mean it's it's a cancel that allows you to hit your land drops better when you are not hitting your land drops. Like you're not going to have your hand as clogged up with counter magic. Mm-hmm. If they have a Teferi in play, you get to cash this in for a random card, which is a lot better. Huge, huge yeah. element of the blue mirrors. Yeah, because a lot of the time, you know, your opponent resolves a Teferi, and then you just like draw counter spell after counter spell, and it, it just feels devastating yeah. but yeah just cycle it yeah find your 
something to deal with the fairy. <laughs> literally know. anything that has text. Yeah, yeah, the counter yeah, spells yeah. don't. Right. Just going to see a lot of play. I, I do think it is offset a little bit by, like, a lot of times where you would normally cycle cards, you're not interested in cycling your counter spell. You're going to cycle this early in the game and hold right. on to it late, mm -hmm. which is a little different from how some cycling cards work. I mean, I guess the expensive cycling cards all work that way, but definitely good. Yep. All right. Now we have Ominous Seas, one in a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, put a foreshadow counter on Ominous Seas. Remove eight foreshadow counters from Ominous Seas. Create an 8-8 eight, eight blue Kraken creature token. And it has cycling for two. I don't think I would have put this card on the list if it didn't have the cycling too. <laughs> I think that's a very important part of this card. Yeah. You got two mana? Well, you can maybe eventually have an 8-8 eight, eight, or you can draw another card. Yeah. And that's that's an okay split card. Yeah. Yeah. Eight having eight cards is a lot of cards. That's lot a of lot cards. of time. For sure. I think that in general people kind of overestimate how many turns are in a game of Magic the Gathering. Mm. Like if I asked you, like, how many turns do you think on average a game of modern lasts? Yeah. What's your answer? Five? Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think that's, like, close to accurate. Mm -hmm. It's, like, you know, five turns is, like, the whole thing for modern. And in standard, I would say, like, your average game lasts, like, 10 to 15 turns. I mean, that's a lot of turns. And that's because like, that's standard is Standard slow is extremely grindy. slow right now. Right. So I just, like, eight cards, you, like, in order to really speed this up, you're going to, like, if you're drawing two cards a turn that's happening in four turns, that's such a significant portion of the game. I just don't think that this card is playable. Yeah. Although when I say five turns in modern, that's definitely like kind of me thinking about modern a couple of months ago, and maybe not me thinking about modern as it well. Yeah, Nibmiz right is, is the best deck right yeah. now. Yeah. So I think modern is probably pushed up to. We're doing a lot of Uroing. Like nine or ten, but yeah. even like the Uro mirrors or whatever, like it snowballs by mm -hmm. turn twelve or whatever. Sure. So. Um, yeah, I I don't think that this card does that much. Uh, I've definitely seen people, like, early drafts of the Song of Creation lists that I've seen have mm -hmm. used this as a win condition. Yeah. To me, that feels like an iteration one of a deck where you, like, have too many bad win conditions in and you realize, right. like, oh, the engine actually just wins the game on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be wrong about that, but that's, like, we've seen that before many times with, with engine stuff. Win condition just, is what? a word that I think people use... Too much in scenarios where it doesn't belong. Win condition is something that combo decks have. Right. Your other decks don't need a win condition. You should just be winning the game by... With your cards. Getting yes. value out of your cards and taking control over the game. You right. don't... <laughs> but the, the Song of Creation deck is a combo deck that sure. you could put a win condition into. Okay. But probably granted is your best win condition in that deck. Right. Yeah, for sure. This thing is kind of neat because you can put it down on two and if you are doing like fake drawing cards like anything that's not you know drawing cards is expensive it draws mm -hmm. it costs like four mana to draw two cards with chemistry's insight or whatever yeah if you are able to do like looting or whatever that's a little cheaper you yeah. know like brainstorm puts three counters on this thing oh, all right okay now we're talking so you know <laughs> yeah. maybe finally a cathartic way to... reunion Cathartic Union puts three counters on this. Thing. Sure. So maybe something along those lines where you are drawing way more than one or two cards a turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and That's then fair. you can get rid of this when it's bad. Yeah. And and like this is the type of card where you 
see the upside, you cast it on turn two, and you're like, well, in this deck, like, I'll have an 8-8, like, three turns after I put this into play. Right. But then you draw it in the middle of the thing, and you're like, wait, no, this card's terrible. Now. I'll cycle it. But now, but this one has cycling, so yep. that offsets a lot of the downside of this type of card. So that that's why I think that this is, like, reasonable to think about. Okay, maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, now, now this is the kind of card draw I'm in for. Okay. So this is C-Dasher Octopus. First of all, it's adorable. It is very cute. It's one blue blue for a 2-2 octopus. It has mutate for one and a blue. It has flash. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this card before. I think it is very, very strong. The fact that it has mutate for two definitely makes it feel like very inefficient. You mm-hmm. can just slap this effect onto one of your creatures that you played on turn one potentially. Yeah. The effect the magpie effect of whenever this creature deals damage to a player, draw a card, is very, very powerful. And this has flash. Like the like just casting it for three mana on your opponent's instep is probably going to be very strong and very likely to allow it to connect even if it's just a two two. Yep. And I think this also sees like if there are decks with a fair amount of mutate synergies. This is just a very good card mm-hmm. with mutate. Yeah. Has flash, so you can trigger your mutate whenever. Yeah, flash on a mutate card might like just that ability yeah. sounds phenomenal together. Because like a lot of the other stuff is like whenever you do this, like do this powerful thing. It's like all right, well, surprise my opponent with it. Yeah, and on that that Jeskai Apex Predator, like that thing has flying. Mm-hmm. So you mutate onto that, you get to cast a spell out of your graveyard at instant speed, and then it is an ophidian right like that that is really sweet yeah love this card yeah but also just like this card is going to see play in like much simpler sorts of circumstances yes it's just very powerful yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so this uh this card is shark typhoon it's five and a blue for an enchantment whenever you cast a non-creature spell create an xx blue shark creature token with flying where x is that spell's converted mana cost it has cycling for X, one, and a blue. When you cycle Shark Typhoon, create a XX blue shark creature token with flying. Mm-hmm. So, Sharknado. Yes. They did it. They made it a magic card. Yeah, like 10 years later or something like that, we finally get our Sharknado reference. That <laughs> well, how many Sharknados are there? Aren't there like seven or oh, eight yeah, of those or something? All right, well, this is the next one. Okay. This is Sharknado 9 okay. or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> This card is fun. I think it's kind of cool that you can, like, like it sometimes, and I think a lot of the time this card reads, like, X1 and a blue for an XX yeah. creature token that draws you a card. I think that's the primary yeah. use of it. I would imagine so. Relatively inefficient flash mm-hmm. creature that draws you a card. Yeah. But, like, all right, so let's evaluate it at five mana. Five mana, three, three, draw a card. It, I mean, it flies, so it's not the worst. Yeah. Um, you know, you really want it to be kind of more than that, I would imagine. Probably. I mean, if there is so a deck This card is really expensive to be good, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if you are just, like, playing entirely in their end step, mm-hmm. you know, this can put a pretty reasonable threat into play once you pump enough mana into it. I don't think it's particularly good. The one thing I've seen people talking about that is pretty cute with it is that this is actually an instant that you can play with Teferi in play. So if they go Teferi, bounce something, you still, like, they have to make that decision not knowing that 
you actually get to do something with a Teferi in play. Man, if my opponent gets me with a Shark Typhoon, mm -hmm. I would be so upset. Because with other Flash creatures, you know, when you yeah. play the Brazen Bower in response to their Teferi, yeah, they, they, get, it, they right. get to decide what to do and yeah. usually bounce the Brazen Bower. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, for sure. It, it, this is good against Teferi. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Whether or not that alone makes me put this card in my deck is yeah, another question. Yeah, that is yeah. It's just not a good card. And, and the fact that the the quote front side of it is just so bad like six yeah. mana enchantment that obviously it's great once you do that like, all right now, now now i'm like creating a bunch of like flyers or whatever it's fine but oh, that's hard hard to six, do six mana on the front end is yep. we, we were talking earlier about how it's like kind of rough to have to draw four cards with <laughs> six mana <laughs> yeah. talk about do nothing for six mana so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then it starts giving you tempo and all of your spells start putting sharks into play Whee, sharknado <laughs> okay um all right so that's it for blue yep we're on to black this is bastion of remembrance so two and a black for an enchantment when bastion of remembrance enters the battlefield create a one one white human soldier creature token whenever a creature you control dies each opponent loses a life and you gain a life so we've never really seen like a blood artist effect on an enchantment before have we Maybe something, but this is really efficient and comes with a body. I, I don't think we have. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe I'm just not thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's pretty cool that that effect can be on an enchantment. It gives you a body as well, so mm -hmm. it's not like nothing. Three mana feels yeah. like a lot for this, though. I mean, it makes sense that it has to be three mana because all of like the blood artifacts effects were two mana. Right. And you can't just like replace that at two mana and have it be an enchantment. That yeah, if this were two, yeah. it would be nutty. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems cool, but I'm right. skeptical that it'll tough to, tough to work fit out. And, and all of our decks that are doing this sort of stuff, are, like the three slot is so cramped. Yes, R extremely cramped. Like like between Mayhem Devil and, and Midnight Reaver, Reaper and, and just like, and Woe, Woe Strider, like mm -hmm. the good cards all cost three mana. Yeah. But I guess if there's like a black-white heavy version of it or something like that, then maybe you have a little room for something like this. Mm -hmm. But... I guess this doesn't really... I mean, I guess it kind of works with Luminous Great Moth. If you have Woe Strider, and you have Luminous Great Moth, and then you get, like, two triggers for each of your creatures, and, like, multiple triggers for your Woe Striders, or something like that, like, you could drain them. You could fireball them for a lot, potentially. Yeah, for sure. But I think I would... Like, there are, like, just actual two mana cards that have this effect. So I think I would just much prefer to have those. Yeah. Wait, is there... Do we have one in Standard? Isn't there a zombie? Is there a black one? white one? There's like the black white one. Cruel Celebrant. There That's it is. It. Right, I can picture totally it. I right. was yeah. looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In a black white deck, you would much rather have this than Bastion of Remembrance. It costs yeah. two. Right. Like, that's mm -hmm. just the game. And I think that there are also like a decent amount of, like, from this set, had a lot of um, like afterlife cards as well. And those mm -hmm. seem kind of cool with like this sacrifice strategy. Oh, and those are cool with the moth too, because yeah. you like get mm -hmm. your tokens and yep. yeah. Yeah. And and these one ones fly. Like the, the cat might not give us flying right. flying creatures. And and the moth gives your other guys flying, so you have a good like oh, just yeah. four or five Air every Force, turn. Honestly, yeah. that's like one of the more common ways that you win with that style of deck is mm -hmm. you just like have like a bunch of like incidental creatures that yeah. get in for some damage. Yeah, I wonder if we can cut the red, you know, just say like Mayhem Devil, you're fantastic, but mm -hmm. we can do it without you. Sure. And, yeah. Yeah. Alright. This is an interesting one. So mm -hmm. we have Call of the Death Dweller. This is two and a black for a sorcery. Return up to two target creature cards with total converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. 
put a death touch counter on either of them, then put a menace counter on either of them. This card mostly appeals to me because if we go back and we're like, okay, no, Mayhem Devil is necessary. Mm -hmm. Once they kill our Mayhem Devil, this gives us extra copies, and then they have death touch, so you can really Mayhem Devil them. <laughs> death touch and menace, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, but your pings are murders now. Oh, wow. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty great. And then, you know, maybe you also sometimes want to bring back, like, a priest and a one-drop or something like mm -hmm. that. I mean, your one-drop is cauldron familiar, so that's well, not the yeah, highest impact reality. You're playing the 2-1 in that deck, too, right now. That also comes back from the graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> Gutter bones. Okay, yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> but get just getting it back in Sentinel <clears throat> is, like, fine. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, this certainly could be really powerful. And yeah, you're totally right. I didn't even think about the synergy with um, the pings. So just like, now we're just mowing down all our opponent's creatures. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, nice Nissa lands. Ping it. I'm really glad <laughs> in chat, in the tank, MTG mentions, uh, and I'm really glad that this is not in standard with Goblin Chain Whirler. Oh, God. So, yeah. Wow. Yikes. There's, I, I don't That's think, a combo. That is definitely a combo. Yeah. This does require like specific stuff from your deck and doesn't give you like a big like a much of a mana advantage when you cast it the way that some reanimation spells do. Mm -hmm. uh, so it probably doesn't see a ton of play, but there's probably just some good stuff that you can put together with it. Just like <laughs> there are creatures that it turns out giving death touch to is very powerful. Mayhem yeah. Devil is one of them. We're not going to see anything as good as Chain Whirler for that, but right. if there's anything anything like Mayhem that. Devil, honestly feels close. Yeah. Yep, and, and I mean, that deck has a lot of creatures that, like, you want to have one of each of them. Right. So having this that effectively, like, tutors your graveyard for the missing piece is right. kind of cool. Get back my Midnight Reaper, get back my mm -hmm. thing. You know, yep. You can do a lot. Yeah. All right, next up we have Extinction Event. So this is three and a black for a sorcery. Choose odd or even. Exile each creature with converted mana cost of the chosen value. It also wants to remind us that zero is even. So this is this is our punish for those companions that are all odd or even. Yes, Just really get them. Oh yeah, you playing one of those companion decks? I know to choose. <laughs> uh, no, I think this card is potentially fine mm -hmm. if there's like a good distribution of converted mana costs on the my opponent's side of the field. I'm gonna feel really bad. Yeah. if I cast this card. Yeah, it's definitely a metagame dependent <clears throat> choice. What are the threats yeah. people are playing? What do I right. have to kill? Yeah. So yeah, I could definitely see like falling back on being like in an involved metagame, being like this like it's kind of cool that this deck plays a bunch of ones and threes, mm -hmm. and that's one of and like honestly maybe like red black sacrifice is that deck yep. where it's like yeah it's a bunch of ones and threes that I care about, so let's just name odd. So I could definitely see this having a spot in some metagames. Yeah, or if mono red is like oh man these good one drops into annex is like what I want to do every game, and then you're just like exile them mm -hmm. don't don't get your tokens from annex like yeah um i mean the existence of runaway steam can like puts a wrench into that particular plan but sure. i could see it like it just really depends on what the threats people are playing are all right next up we have heartless act this is one of the black for an instant choose one destroy target creature with no counters on it or remove up to three counters from target creature so this is the new Doomblade effect that everybody's talking about. Yep. It's uh, it's going to destroy a lot of creatures that don't have any counters on them, or it's going to 
take some counters off the things. Yeah. Less good in, you know, in, like, modern, when you can't kill a creature because it has counters, it's probably because it's a creature that is plus one, plus one counters. <laughs> right. So, like, that's fine. Yeah. In standard, it could easily be that it has a death touch counter on it or something. And you just can't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but I do think this card is, like, yeah. as far as Doom Blades go, one of the good ones. It should kill most stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you need a Doom Blade, you know, we have been not putting removal spells into our standard decks for a minute. Yeah. But that's also because the removal spells that we have access to are kind of medium. And this is like a pretty good one. If creatures are what you're worried about and you want to kill them at instant speed. Yeah. This is a good way of doing that. Also, I cannot wait to blow this out with a uh, yes. my enchantment hate card yes. that I have in my sideboard. That's a <laughs> very chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. Heartless sort of Actor Creature, I'll give it a counter. All right, next up we have Hunted Nightmares. This is one black black for a 4-5 Nightmare creature with Menace. When Hunted Nightmare enters the battlefield, target opponent puts a Death Touch counter on a creature they control. So kind of the cool part about that interaction is that this has Menace. Mm -hmm. So if they just have their one dude, they're not just going to be able to trade for it no matter what. And if they don't have any dudes, it's 3 mana, 4-5 Menace. That's really good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Like, uh, that. If, if we're trying to threaten Planeswalkers with our three drop, like, yeah. that does it. This does it pretty well, yeah. for sure. Unless it's Teferi. Yeah, unless case. it's Teferi, which nothing threatens on its own. Yeah. <laughs> Teferi breaks all, all of the rules. It really does. But yeah, I mean, this card is cool. Yeah. It's not It's not super exciting, but no. it's like a cool design, and it is, you know, it's a big three-mana creature. Yeah. So. I, I have no idea if that's good enough anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I also don't either. There, like, you know, two years ago, I would have looked at this card and be like, this is amazing. It's right. huge. Right. It works really well with removal spells. Mm -hmm. You know, they, like, put a Death Touch counter on one of their creatures, you kill it, you attack them. Not with Heartless Act, though. That's a bummer. So, <laughs> you know, that that is not a combo. Yeah. This one is really tough for me to, like, come out any particular way on. It's probably, like, a sideboard card for specific circumstances where you're just like i gotta get a big body into play on turn three mm. in this matchup for whatever reason i mean i could certainly see it being an excellent sideboard card mm -hmm. the requirement being that my opponent doesn't play creatures sure it's like all right you know three mana four five let's yep. go although i mean most of those matchups they don't really care about like a vanilla dude sure there yeah is it that much better than rotting regisaur at that point that's true like it's rotting regisaur just like just completely trump this card yeah maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe like, the, the menace keyword has to be relevant, I think, for this card to be good. Probably. And then your opponent is going to have... Pre uh, yeah, that's a, it's a tough battle. <laughs> yeah, a tough balance to strike there. I, I have no idea, honestly. I, I can't I can't give a lot of insight into this one. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably worse, not worse than it looks. Yeah. And it doesn't look that good. <laughs> so, all right. Next up, we have Mythos of Nelthroy. Nethroy? <laughs> Mythos of Nethroy. Yeah, that sounds right. Two and a black for an instant destroy target non-land permanent. If it's a creature, or if green-white was spent to cast the spell. Right. So two and a black for murder, or white-green-black for destroy target online permanent. Yep. We talked about this before. It's yeah. cool. It's uh, It'll be a removal spell that is easy to cast, and then once you have all of your mana established, yeah. you can kill anything. You know, if there is an Abzan deck that exists, I think this is a big motivator to be in that deck at all. Sure. Like, being able to kill Nissa, Wilderness Reclamation, Fires of Invention, mm -hmm. and Creatures in one card is great. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then you can even play, you know, or no, that one's Mardu. 
was thinking about the Ford White that kills everything. But that's oh. the Marty Ultimatum. Right? Well, maybe we're a lot of colors. Oh, okay, great. I'm in. <laughs> I don't know. We got Trilands. We can yeah, do Yeah, and we only need black to really cast this as a removal spell. So. Yeah, right. So, like, that's that's the thing. Is like, mm-hmm. in the decks that are, like, really pressuring you, sure. you get to just cast this as a removal spell against the decks with w- where there are things that you want to kill are, like, four mana enchantments or five mana planeswalkers. Right. You can spend your early turns doing stuff to make your mana work, whether that's, like, comes into play tap lands or cantripping or whatever. Also, another interesting thing to know about this card is that it doesn't get hit by Aether Gust. That's true. Not bad. So, yeah. got him. Got him. Yeah, it's a disenchant that they can't use Aether Gust to protect their, their stuff from. Perfect. That's okay. I like it. So next up we have Zagoth Mamba. So this is a single black for a 1-1 Nightmare Snake. Whenever this creature mutates, target creature and opponent controls gets minus 2, minus 2 until end of turn. So this is definitely what I was picturing when I was kind of thinking of like like of the two elements of a mutate deck, mm-hmm. you want a card that is good to be mutated onto. This is just that where it's like, yeah. all right, you play this in your mutate deck, and hopefully it can mow down some creatures. But it, but it's not minus two minus two doesn't kill anything except for like against the very aggressive load of the ground decks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It just doesn't seem that impressive to me. There are certainly times where I would be like, you know, minus two minus two disfigures like really good right now or mm-hmm. whatever, but. Not right now. <laughs> People just yeah. aren't playing Shock. Yeah. Shock exists. The red decks don't care. I mean, play Stomp, but... Yeah. And some of them have moved back to... Whenever they're thinking that the mirror is going to be a thing they have to play against, they go back to the Shocks. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, this could do a thing where it's, like, helping you to keep the, like, Black-Red Sacrifice deck from building their engine as you are building your... Yeah. But it, it's it's a very low-power card, and, and if you really need stuff to mutate onto then this could be it but man i would really rather be mutating onto arboreal grazer i mean it's just a snake it's just a snake (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right that's it for black next up we have blitz of the thunder raptor so this is one in a red for an instant blitz of the thunder raptor deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard if that creature or planeswalker would die this turn exile it instead I'm not going to lie, Blitz of the Thunder Raptor, <laughs> amazing name. Great name. <laughs> I like it. So we have this card identical, but with the number set at three. So you have to somehow want this more than that, more than just always being yep. three. You want to have this in a deck where you are playing it because you really want to be able to hit like bigger stuff. Yeah. Like I want to be able to kill your Nissa outright mm-hmm. with this card or whatever. Yeah. And that's... A lot of instants and sorceries. Yeah. Like, you know, but we were talking about how there could be some blue-red deck that just really turns through its deck and, you know, loots through a bunch of cards or whatever. Cycle the six mana, draw four. Yeah. Like, sure, maybe we could get to that point, but, like, I don't know. But this doesn't work very well as a turn two removal spell. Like, you're... I mean, if you play an opt, then yeah, you can kill like a Scorch Spitter with this, or you can kill the Runaway Steamkin with it, but like, yeah. you can't kill Priest of the Forgotten Gods with it. No, the fact that it like really doesn't work until the late game is a huge downside for me. Yeah. I think that you really want your two mana removal spell that you're playing in your deck to be able to hit things on turn two. And, yep. and if you're not doing that, uh, I can't really get behind it. Right. Yeah, like that's one of the reasons that Noxious Grasp is so good because mm-hmm. it hits like Leafkin Dryad or it hits Nissa. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. So not not super impressed. 
All right, this is a new one. This is a cathartic reunion. Mm -hmm. One in a red for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast a spell, discard two cards, and then you draw three cards. Yep. Have they tried this in Dredge yet? Wow, they, they really should give that a shot. It does it in the right order and everything. They discard first, wow. and then you draw three. Wow, that seems really good. Whoa. So the only thing is that what do we do with it in Standard? Because it's already mm -hmm. legal in Pioneer. It's already legal in Modern. In I mean, we've been talking about how, like, you know, there's the card that incentivizes you to discard cards. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you play this after the um, that legend that's three mana, you get mm -hmm. to... Draw drop five. Yeah, that's pretty this. good. That sounds great. Like if the blue red spells deck comes together and you really just need that like card velocity to just like really turn through your deck, put spell like actively want to put as many spells as you can in your graveyard. Yeah. I can see this being an option. Yeah, I mean this is how you make Blitz of the Thunder Raptor yeah, into exactly. A right. If you discard a bunch of spells, oh, yeah. discarding a bunch of spells to Cathartic Union is not always what you want to do. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be rough. Like sometimes, certainly you're gonna want to discard spells because like maybe you need lands. But mm -hmm. if you're land heavy, like I could just see those kinds of draws happening a lot where you're like, all right, I'm a little flooded, but at least this Cathartic Union can get me out of it. Yeah. And then you like discard your lands, and then you draw into something like a Blitz, and yeah. then you're like. All right, well, <laughs> yeah, that didn't I work out. I can do one. <laughs> yeah, and it's a little awkward in things like Phoenix. Like, standard Phoenix really needed a sorcery that lets you draw and discard cards. Because there was not one, so that made Finale very awkward. Because, mm -hmm. you know, Thrill of Possibilities is an instant, and so it's really hard for Finale to target a, a good sorcery and a good instant, because every spell in the deck is an instant now. Cathartic Union is tough, though, because, like, you run out all of your cards, and then you can't flash this back. You still need to pay the cost of discarding two cards, right. and a lot of times you just don't have those. And that and discarding first and then drawing is the wrong order for an Arclight Phoenix deck. It certainly, yeah. And also just, like, for being a good mechanic. <laughs> right, just for, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's significantly better the other way around in right. every other instance. Yeah, so. you have to be dredging for it to be better this way, and yeah. if you're not, it's worse. Um, this also is like the card that when it gets hit by either gust, you just have to go home. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're dead. Right, you're dead. You gotta go home. Uh, and it goes well. You're definitely putting it on the bottom after that. So. <laughs> yeah, you can't do. Like you, you had to put it on top. You're, you're out of cards. Like, you're just done. <laughs> oh man. I mean, it, it'll see a lot of play. Like people mm -hmm. will use it to to as duct tape to bind together janky stuff. And it will happen, and people will get blown out by counter spells, and people will also use it to put together graveyard shenanigans. Like, sure. That's just how it's going to work. Yep. Yep. Certainly. And isn't there another card with these characters on it? There's and... two other cards. It's a whole story. Ooh. Yeah, oh, this nice. is the happy ending. Aww. The other ones are not. Well, actually, one of them is Constructed Play. Well, I think it's on this list. Okay, nice. I'll be looking for it. Well, maybe it's borderline Constructed Play. <laughs> <Maybe we're not laughs> uh, gonna okay. So next up, we have Everquill Phoenix. So this is two red red for a 4-4 four, four phoenix. It has mutate for three and a red. As flying, whenever this creature mutates, create a red artifact token named Feather with pay one, sacrifice Feather, return target phoenix card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of text. Yep. Okay, so it's a, it's a mutate phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, it has phoenix abilities of being able to come back. It's a phoenix, so I know you love it. Yeah, I, I like this card. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty good, too. Yeah. 
Honestly, I th I think that like in terms of my evaluations of cards, I'm just automatically going to evaluate mutate cards with flying mm -hmm. as pretty strong. Yeah. So I definitely like that aspect of things at the very least. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it's a Phoenix. It's a four mana, four, four flyer, which is on rate. That's great. And then, yeah, it you know, if you mutate it, then it has the capacity to come back. If you just cast it normally, you have to mutate onto it to be able to get it back. Mm -hmm. So not the easiest thing to get back exactly, but yeah. it can certainly happen. This also goes really well with like Sea Dash or Octopus. Like, sure. If we're blue red and we can do both of those things. And yeah. Like, we're some blue red deck with like this and Sea Dash or Octopus and the Jeskai uh, Apex Predator. Sure. Like, that's kind of a stew. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little pricey, like it's four mana either way you, you cast this. Yeah. But I, I think ideally you are using this as a haste, like upgrade my guy, give it a couple extra power, you know, like put this on a Scorch Spitter and now it's a 4-4 four, four flying Scorch Spitter. Mm -hmm. You know, I get the, the egg token or the I get the feather token, attack you, get my ping, hit you for four, you deal with this eventually, I get back my Phoenix for a mana you know, it's pretty powerful just in straight up mono red and then has additional mutate synergies. So. Yeah, no, I like it a lot, for sure. It's got a lot going on for it. Definitely. And it's like, you know, a good target for Embercleave. All right, here, all right, here's the boys. Here's the, the like, part one of the story. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so this is Forbidden Friendship. <laughs> one in a red for a sorcery. <laughs> Create a 1-1 one, one red dinosaur creature token with haste and a 1-1 one, one white human soldier... To creature token. Yeah. Human so soldier creature token. A little better than the, yeah. like, you know, two mana get two one one. One of them can spells. hit him right now. Yep. <laughs> nice. Well, if there's a Teferi in play, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, it just is that spell but kills the Teferi. Yeah. Wait, what happened to these characters? So there's a Forbidden Friendship. Like, okay. Yes. Uh, I like it. And the then... Capture Sphere is the middle card. Oh, okay. So the dinosaur gets caught in a bubble. and okay. these, Well, that's what it gets for having haste and running off and <laughs> well, okay. doing so, whatever. So this is this, the, the, you know, Jeremy has given me the rundown on Ikoria. Okay. And so the thing is that, like, you know, humans and the monsters are all fighting each other all the time. Except sometimes some humans will, like, a human can bond with a monster. And that's what the companion mechanic represents. And, like, that's what this is, is, like... They've gone out, but then they've realized that, like, they're not enemies and they're actually friends. And so they bond. And then this is the story of, like, this human <laughs> and this dinosaur he's bonded with. Nice. Okay, cool. So yeah. it's like Rick and Morty Season 3, Episode 4. Yes. <laughs> okay, <correct>. More or less. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> um, but anyways, if you need to make two tokens for two mana, this is how you do it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I really like the... What are the previous ones called with goblins? Like... Uh, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on this. This I, is one that I should know. They're all worse Mog War Marshals. Yeah, which yeah. Is the, the well, problem I like for me. Mog but... War Marshal effects. Yes, I think that that is pretty cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so this, in some ways, is like a lot better than War Mog War Marshal because I uh, something I never liked about War, Mog War Marshal is that you play it and, and then the next turn you attack for one. Yeah. Which is always like kind of frustrating, but this time you play and right now you get to attack for one. So right. it's like a it's like a time walked mod war marshal. No, you love to see war it. marshal is better because you play it in decks where you can like use it as a ritual or I whatever. Know. <laughs> like that's that's why that card is <laughs> I, good. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this card it, it does stuff. It'll see some play. All right, next up we have Luca, Copper Coat Outcast. This is three red red for a five loyalty planeswalker plus one. 
Exile the top three cards of your library. Creature cards exiled this way gain. You may cast this card from exile as long as you control a Luka Planeswalker. Minus two, exile target creature you control. Then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card with higher converted mana cost. Put that card on the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, Polymorph. Yes. But you can but only hit things with CMC higher than what you sacked. Right. Okay. So it removes like a lot of the deck building restrictions right. that Polymorph implies. Yeah. Polymorph, but you're always upgrading. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, minus seven, each creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. So a lot going on with this card that I like. Mm -hmm. Plus one in a Luka deck is likely going to be better than draw a card. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. Because if I lose a Luka, then it's it. nothing. Right. But you can cast your second Luka and then have access to those cards. But that's not just not going right. to happen all that much. Yeah. The other thing that I like about this card is that the minus two is always an upgrade your creature. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Pretty nice. And, and you can build your deck such that you know what you're upgrading into True. with a reasonable yeah. level of certainty. Yeah, you certainly can do that. But but the thing I like the most about it is that you don't have to bend over backwards to mm -hmm. like create a deck that makes this effect good. Yeah. And then I also like how you can, like, you know, Planeswalkers that plus plus ultimate mm -hmm. are threatening. Like, that play pattern is, you'd be surprised at how often, like, that kind of pressure of, like, oh, no, oh, no, I need to get this Planeswalker off the board True. or, like, pressure it. Like, that threatening effect is really important to me. But this ultimate, like, they can deal with the threat of this ultimate by wrathing your creatures, you know? Yeah. So it's a yeah, little different right. from, like, an emblem or something that, that ends the game. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a really cool design. Yeah. And I can't really speak to, like, what deck it's going to go into or whatever mm -hmm. yet, but it, I like it a lot. I mean, I, I really do like that minus two. Just generally, like, it is pretty good. And then you can just warp your deck slightly to give it a lot of potential. And, like, if you just have, like, a giant cycling creature in there at the top end, mm -hmm. then if I minus two on any of my fours or whatever, it always hits... 8 8 haste yeah or sometimes i'll minus two on a two and i'll just so happen to flip an 8 8 haste and you know great it, like you give yourself that you know the ability to get lucky in that way so pretty cool it doesn't do much if you don't have a board and they have a little bit of a board like yeah you know maybe if they don't have enough to kill it then hopefully he pluses you into blockers and then you can go from there so right. and it six is a Enough loyalty for a five mana planeswalker. I think after so. a plus, so. yeah, it's a reasonable amount. Yeah, it's not a reasonable amount for a three mana planeswalker. It is not. That's correct. <laughs> but anyway, never do that again. <laughs> um, all right. Next up, we have shredded sails. This is one in red for an instant. Choose one. Destroy target artifact or shredded sails deals four damage to target creature with flying, and it has cycling too. You put three modes on my instant, like. There's going to be some use for that. Right? Yeah. Right. I Like, you know, I you, sometimes you need a shatter. Mm -hmm. Now we have cycling on our shatter. Yeah. If, you can't ask for much more than that. And it gives you more. You can deal four damage to a creature. Right. With so, flying. With flying. And that's like, anytime you do that, you're probably getting way more than like two mana worth. You know, you're killing like yeah. a dragon or something at that point. Or a phoenix. Yeah, or a phoenix. Like, yeah. Yeah. So probably just a sideboard card with multiple uses, and then it's never dead when you draw yeah. it. So Right. All right. Next up, we have Tentative Connection. It's three and a red for a sorcery. This spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with menace. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. So it's a threaten effect for four mana. If you happen to have something with menace, it costs one mana. 
I mean, we've seen how powerful one mana threaten is. Extremely powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Four of main deck in the standard deck right, right. now. Right. It's kind of hard to have a menace creature in play in standard. I'm not thinking of, I, you know, I, my brain doesn't run to any of the new cards yet. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's menace counters and stuff. I don't really know, like, obvious cards. You know, like, if if we had, I don't know, Rampaging Frosted on a standard or something like that, then I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, we have a start to a deck that is ready to cast this for one a reasonable amount of the time. Yeah. But I don't know what that is right yeah. now. Don't know. Like, you know, sure, maybe there's a deck with a density of menace creatures, mm-hmm. and it's a beatdown deck, so you want to play a threat. And I'm not going to be like going out and looking to build that deck i don't think i'm just going to be keeping this in the back of my mind when i'm building my aggressive decks and being like ah, these good right. menace creatures exist already yeah um stormfist crusader has menace so that's the black red one that sure yeah that's one i don't know could be a yeah. possibility but i'm not like super holding my breath for this card no uh next up we have unpredictable cyclone so this is three red red for an enchantment if a cycling ability of another non-land card would cause you to draw a card, instead, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a card that shares a card type with the cycled card. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then, put the exiled cards that weren't cast this way in the bottom of your library in a random order. And also, it has cycling for two. I don't think this card works. So, okay. If... A cycling ability of another line of land card would cause you to draw a card. Instead, you flip until you hit a card that shares. Okay, and then you cast that card. Yeah. So, it's kind of... Sure? Yeah, it's kind of just a mana engine. Mm-hmm. Like, reduces the cost of your stuff to the cycling cost of your stuff a But then it's bit. random avoid. It's random. Right. So... And, and so that's why it's... Rather than being, like, a powerful cheat mechanism, rather mm-hmm. than being, like, a sneak attack or something, all it is is, like... When you cycle a street wraith, like you have really good odds of hitting a street wraith. With street <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you saved, like quote five mana, but like mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't pay five you mana. Pay five like mana for this, four, right? You better be have multiple street wraiths in your right. hand or something. So like you're just as likely to hit street wraith as you are to hit Emrakul with it. It yeah. does cast it. You know, if you can put an Emrakul on top of your deck and then cycle a creature, sure. That 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 does that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. You know, your, your five-mana enchantment kind of needs to be almost a one-card combo, and this doesn't quite do that. Right. So I don't see this working out, but, you know, people will have fun trying to make it work. Seems seems kind of cool. It is definitely a build-around-me card. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure people will try it out. I doubt it will make it. No, I don't think so. To the top tier. So. But a lot, of, a lot of buzz on Twitter when it first got spoiled, oh, so yeah. I wanted to mention Certainly it. Certainly an exciting one. Yeah. All right, now we have Weaponize the Monsters. So this is a single red for an enchantment. Two mana, sacrifice a creature to weaponize the monsters deals two damage to any target. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this a little bit on an earlier episode. It's kind of like a weirdly sidestepped Molten Vortex. Or what's, it's, what's it's the, the one mol- mana one? It's kind of the Molten Vortex to Goblin Like the way that Molten Vortex is to Seismic Assault, this is to Goblin Bombardment. You sure. know, no yeah. mana cost. Lower mana cost on the front end, yeah. adding mana to the activation. Mm-hmm. And you deal two damage. And you do deal two damage. So it's not nothing. Which is a substantial amount. The problem is that, like, sacrifice outlets that cost mana are just mm-hmm. so much worse than yeah. sacrifice outlets that don't. A, a big deal is that the sacrifice decks tend to be kind of low on 
mana in general. Right. Like two is a lot of mana. Right. You're you're not just like making tons of land drops and you're not making extra land drops. You know, the Uro decks end up with ten or twelve lands in play. Like it, on the other side of the board, the black red deck often has five lands in play in that like when the green blue decks have ten or twelve. Mm-hmm. Um so two ends up being a lot in those decks. Right. Yep. So I yeah, I I, I can't get behind this card. Yeah, I just it'll probably see some limited use but it's not going to be like a mainstay of these right. these archetypes yeah. could be like a sideboard card when just like shooting stuff mm-hmm. is is really important <laughs> leovold mentions it's an odd cmc for the black red companion and it gives you something to do with your even, even turns <laughs> so perfect <laughs> yep great <laughs> all right this is Yadaro, a wandering monster. It's five red red for an 8-8 trample haste dinosaur turtle. Perfect creature types. Yep. Uh, trample haste. <laughs> trample haste, dinosaur, yeah, tra- turtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh. It has cycling for one and a red. When you cycle Yadaro, wandering monster, shuffle it into your library from your graveyard. If you've cycled a card named Yadaro, wandering monster four or more times this game, Put it onto the battlefield from your graveyard instead. So yeah, so this is that turtle where if you cycle it four times, mm-hmm. you get it. You get it in play. It's and very then fun. Each one you cycle after that, you do get one in play. Right. And they always normally like the first three times you're going to cycle it, it shuffles back to your library. So you're more likely to draw mm-hmm. more of these. Sure. So yeah, it's not bad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think it's, like, super powerful, and, like, people's evaluation of it, I think, has been impacted by, like, a misevaluation of how long Magic the Gathering games tend to last. Sure. Um, yeah, I think yeah. this may be another one of those. Mm-hmm. But it is a giant monster with cycling and, like, some upside to having cycled it. And, like, that on its own could help it find a place you know, if you want giant monsters in your deck for some reason, but you don't want to be just, like, getting them stuck in your hand. Yeah. Like, that that can do it. And I'm thinking particularly of Luca Coppercoat Outcast for that purpose, and I don't know if there are other things that you want to do it with. This does not have a lot of synergies with Mutate, because this comes down for seven mana, and so it's yeah. probably not helping those decks very much. For sure. But it's not a human. It's not in human. fact, you can mutate onto it. It's a yes. turtle. It is a tur- turtle. Just it haste turtle. Yeah. Just as Richard Garfield intended. I mean, all right. Okay, so onto the green cards. Yeah. Uh, first, we have Adventurous Impulse. Uh, we've seen this one before. Yeah. It's a single green. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I've always been a fan of this card. Yeah. I think it is just it's just a good like cantropy card for one mana your hands with in a creature deck either want lands or creatures and this gives you card selection of one or the other yeah at, at you know that's totally it. reasonable that's mana card. cost yeah uh and i do like that if there is a green based mutate deck i bet that it is interested in this card mm-hmm. just because it like helps you put together the here's the guy i want to put down first here's yeah. the guy i want to put onto it yeah being able to dig three cards deeper to like specific pieces that you're looking for yeah i like it a lot definitely i, I think it's really cool that they included this in the set yeah i, I think it was a really smart include and yeah. i will be trying to play it if they made it an enchantment though banned <laughs> well it does make it a lot better if it sticks <laughs> yeah, around and true. also gets planeswalkers yeah 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 fair all right, um, next up we have Essence Symbiote. So this is one in a green for a 2-2 beast. 
Whenever a creature you control mutates, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature and you gain two life. It's a little bit of a wild growth walker for, you know, if you have a mutate heavy deck. Yeah, um, I like it. Yeah. It makes all of your mutated creatures immune to the Doom Blade. It's kind That's of a true. cool little side effect of it. Yeah. And yeah, being able to gain life is not bad. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like a little bit of a, you know, Wild Growth Walker, Jade Light Ranger was good when like mid-range Sultai was great and you yeah. were like, all right, let's cast this Hydrocrasis for two cards and let's cast this Nissa sort of, or not, sure. let's cast this Vivian. Right. And, you know, that all went out the window with the, the printing of, I mean, you know, the, the Explore package rotated out, but it was bad for a long time before it rotated out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we are doing stuff that makes, like, you know, two mana kind of value, gain life, get some board presence cards, like, maybe not, not that great. Not that great, in my mind. Yeah. Like, but, it, yeah, it, I, I kind of like that it adds a counter to it. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, and, I mean, you can mutate onto this. Like it, yeah, yeah and you, like, you're going to need bodies to mutate onto. Right, so. right. And this may be one, because, you know, if you mutate onto this, it's effectively a two mana, three, three, gain two life with, like, further upside if you do more mutating. Like, that's not bad. It could be it could be the bread of a bread and butter thing. Yeah, so. and the plus one plus one counter keeps contributing to the power, mm -hmm. like in a way that you know mutate creatures don't stack power and toughness, but stacking the plus one plus one counter does help it get bigger. So all right, next up we have Gem Razor. So this is three and a green for a four four with mutate for one green green. Has reach and trample. Whenever this creature mutates, destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls. So, it, pretty good rate, mm -hmm. and the three cost mutate with a 4-4 four, four body yeah. makes me like it a little more. Like, turn three, mutate onto my two drop, make it a 4-4. Four, four. It's reach and trample, too. That's not nothing. Trample, yeah. I mean, trample, love trample. Yeah. Trample's great. Trample with C-Dash or Octopus. Love to see it. There. Yeah. There Can't go. chump this anymore. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that mostly this will be a sideboard card yeah. for these mutate decks yeah. in my mind. It's just a very good although some sometimes like it's just more important that your naturalized be instant speed and cheap yeah. than And maybe the rate of this card is good just good enough that um we'll be playing it in the main and just like have incidental artifact and enchantment. That's okay. honestly where I'm more excited about it mm -hmm. rather than as a sideboard card. I think if I'm sideboarding disenchants I want them to be disenchants. Yeah, like, yeah, that's fair. Uh but like this thing just in the main so that they they're like all right fires of invention and you're just like oh buddy <laughs> all right mutate <laughs> kill that um hit you for four and like the you know the body is pretty reasonable and yeah i i, I you can just overload on and there's so many targets for disenchants right now mm -hmm. like you know I, I mean i keep listing them off but you know wilderness reclamation fires of invention annex like that is a big swath of decks that that is nice to just like this really functions as kind of a necrotal effect. Yeah. So I know for sure. I would be into trying to figure out a way to main deck this. All right. Next we have Migration Path. So this is three and a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Put them on the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. And it has cycling for two. That's a really good thing to put onto a an explosive vegetation. Yeah. Explosive vegetation and it has cycling for two. Great. Yeah. Seems really strong. It's going to be great on turn four mm -hmm. and then draw it later. And uh, you can draw it later, and you can turn it into a real card if you have enough lands, or if you like need to hit your third or fourth land drop, mm -hmm. you can cycle it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One of the like really awkward things. It's just good in all scenarios. Yeah, 
I, I hated when you have circuitous in your hand and you have three lands in play. Oh, it's the worst. It feels really bad. Yeah, but this time, yeah, you just need two lands and you can cycle it. Yeah, I mean, this is going up two mana is like the weakest four mana engine card that we can do because you know yeah. fires doubles or triples your mana wilderness reclamation doubles your mana this just right. adds two to it that's pathetic uh, yeah get out of here i have a nissa in my deck if i needed 10 mana next turn i could have it <laughs> yeah. but the flexibility is nice and this will probably see some yeah. play no for sure and especially once you know you, you can't get this disenchanted mm -hmm. so if the response to those powerful engines is like yeah we're gonna play our gem raisers main deck we're gonna have plenty of naturalizes in our boards yeah like this thing is you know you're set you have your mana you don't have to worry about it after that yeah all right next up we have mythos of brokos so this is two green green for a sorcery if blue black was spent to cast the spell search your library for a card then put that card into your graveyard then shuffle your library and then no matter what, return up to two permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. So it's double regrowth mm -hmm. for permanence. For permanence uh, for two green green. And then if you spent Sultai mana mm -hmm. on it, then uh, you, get, an you get to yeah, you get to search your library for a card for any card? Yeah, yeah. just any card and then um, get two permanents back. Yeah. So kinda neat. Yeah. Four mana is a lot. To not affect the to board. To not affect the board mm -hmm. in standard right now. So, like, maybe... You know where I think that this would probably fit in the most would be... Well, I was going to say uh, Teamer Adventure, but it doesn't work because you need blue-black mana to spend yeah. on it to really, like, get the tutor effect. Because being able to tutor for, like, your clover mm -hmm. and then pick that up sounds really cool, but maybe the mana just doesn't work out. Hmm. Yeah, and, and Clover is really like a let me play this on turn two and forget about it sort of thing and just sure. like accrue. Mm -hmm. But it's also just, I guess, like when I've drawn Clover on turn six or seven, it's also been pretty good. So No, I think like just finding your Clovers eventually is really important. Yeah. Like, I think that that's like the engine, a yeah. big part of it. So, yeah. um, no, I like I could see that. But again, right. I don't see a clear place where this is actually good. You can't really put that right into the deck because it's um, you have to spend whole time in on it yeah but yeah an interesting card for sure all right next <laughs> we just got the biggest cycler all right so this is titan off rex it's seven green green for an 11 11 trample uh it's got cycling for one and a green and when you cycle titan off rex titanoth 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 it's big is the it's, name yeah the it's name big is just all saying it's big put a the trample counter <laughs> yeah when you cycle it you get a trample counter on Control. this also cycle this also counters the black removal spell heartless act <laughs> yeah okay all right i'm in now <laughs> yeah i just really want to counter that card <laughs> it, it's cute that you use a counter to counter it that's really yeah yeah delightful if you need to put a giant creature in your graveyard for whatever reason this mm -hmm. is like the one of the more painless ways of doing that yeah it's a pretty vanilla creature and you know as far as like living end kind of goes you are really restricted on what two mana cyclers you can put in your deck yeah so the the two mana is a huge cost so probably this doesn't have a ton of application but it's the cleanest way to just put a giant thing into your graveyard for whatever reason sure so yeah i don't know what that reason is <laughs> i just like giving trample on my creatures great and drawing a card honestly yeah. if there's anything that that card taught me in that the previous standard format is that that's like better than you expect <laughs> yeah 
in in limited i guess but. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, trample is a surprisingly powerful ability when you get to choose the creature that it goes on to yeah yeah um ooh, okay this one's i'm a little more excited about. yeah uh this is vivian monsters advocate so three green green for a three loyalty planeswalker it has the what are we calling this text static ability yeah it has a static um, ability of passive uh you may look at the top card of your library at any time and you may cast creature spells from the top of your library so that kind of effect is pretty good yeah um being able to cast things from the top of your library is similar to drawing a card it is card advantage you're mm -hmm. not casting cards from your spells uh you're not casting cards from your hand yeah. <laughs> so the ability is plus one Create a 3-3 green beast creature token. Put your choice of a vigilance counter, a reach counter, or a trample counter on it. Collins, you're going to have to start bringing some stuff with you to turn events. Nope. Hey, opponent, do you have any... Uh, do you have a 3-3 beast token checks and notes. a reach vigilance counter? <laughs> Minus two. Uh, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser converted mana cost put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library lesser converted mana cost I, so I, I guess that's correct grammar but i wouldn't have assumed <laughs> you say it. yeah what were you gonna say oh i was just gonna say that works really well with the passive ability that, oh yeah like, lets yeah. you cast creature spells absolutely i think this card is really good yeah really I good can't wait until we're allowed to play it and not have to play nissa in that slot. well okay sure yeah like we do have a the same card, but instead of being able to cast creatures from the top of your library, you just double your mana. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, one or the other, really. But this card is really strong. Yeah, and it is really good if you have both out. Like that's that's really good. Oh, you then you're doing like, it. You cast spend... all the all the creatures off the top of your library. Yep. Yeah. Um, works really well with like Fabled Passage as mm -hmm. well to help. Oh, there's no creature on top. Shuffle my library. Cast this creature. Yeah. So, so if you can find some way to work a couple of shuffle effects into your deck like that, that's mm -hmm. really nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, just a super powerful mid-range planeswalker that is not quite the like plus one draw. It's not an Obnixilis. Like, it's a super interesting design that I I do think is very powerful. And the fact that she like makes reach guys, so like flying creatures can't take her out, is is nice too. Mm -hmm. But she definitely has the same convert the same mana cost as Nissa, which is unfortunate for her until rotation. When does Nissa rotate out? When do we get a rotation in standard? End of this year. End of this year. Yeah. I guess it has gone by pretty quick. Or or beginning of next year or whatever. Like, because, you know, Eldraine came and that was the rotation. Mm. And so then the next rotation is going to be keep everything from Eldraine on a year after Eldraine came out. Okay. Um, so I, I do think this card is good enough that there will be some spots where you're like, actually, I think I want this more than Nissa. Mm -hmm. And that's high praise, but it, it, it is just like a, a powerful mid-range card advantage Planeswalker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, I am excited about this card, but I am also sad about the Nissa thing. Yeah. I mean, it'll just be a little while before we can just justify this as our primary five mana green Planeswalker. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. This is Wilt, one in a green for an instant to store a target artifact or enchantment. And it's got cycling too. Mm -hmm. We just slap cycling on our. We, we already had what was the cycle for a single green? Uh, Dissenter's Deliverance, and that could only hit artifacts, artifacts, though, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, now we have the new best disenchant. Yeah. They keep on printing the new best disenchant. And this one is a real upgrade to disenchant. And this, yeah, this one, it, they didn't just slap exile a card from the graveyard right. in there. They actually put cycling two on it. So. Yeah. 
It's the new dis, the new best disenchant. Yeah, and with Dissenter's Deliverance, a lot of times, you know, mid rangey green decks were main decking that because there were artifacts you had to hit, especially Etherworks Marvel. Okay, you know, like we we were main decking like a bunch of Dissenter's Deliverances. In oh that yeah, format. I remember that for um, sure. But in, you know, in this format, we have a lot of targets for Wilt. Mm-hmm. We, I've been saying this the whole set review. Yep, and so this is a potentially main deckable card. Yeah, and certainly a better sideboard disenchant by you know a reasonable amount than other disenchants yeah yeah all you eternal players out there you're gonna need a wilt or two if you were playing disenchant before so <laughs> well if you were playing naturalized before oh, yeah, right. The, right they were playing disenchant because white just did not continue getting better disenchants for some reason come on wh- why not like this could have just been a white card and that would have been fine yeah but they Probably. just didn't nope so green I... cards all right, that's what it's about. We're getting so close. There's <gasps> there's six. Is this an artifact card? There's an artifact card. So there's All right. there's a couple of artifacts and a couple of lands. Only six okay. cards left in this in this last folder. All right, I'm ready. Are you All ready? Right. Yeah, let's do it. This is the Ozolith. The Ozolith. It's another card I don't know how to pronounce. Nobody does. Uh, it's okay with made up words. Mm-hmm. Pronounce them, I, however. Oh, just with confidence though. Next time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. This is the Ozolith. It's a single. <laughs> it's. It's a, it's a legendary artifact for one mana. Uh, whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. I love this card. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been talking about how this could be a potentially really strong inclusion to the, the scales deck that has been floating around in Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And that deck also got the new companion. It has Lurie, yeah. And this, you can, if they were like, oh, I gotta get this off of the board, then right. you can cast this off of your Lurie and hey. then be ready to, yeah. to brumble with it again. So, yeah, that deck has a lot of new tools. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited about uh, trying that out. Yeah, so, right, I, I think this card has a lot of neat applications. Definitely. Um, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, it is an artifact, so slightly less important to have a bunch of one-mana artifacts in your modern hardened scales deck because we don't have mox opal anymore but it's still sex to ravager when you have extra ones or yeah are done with it or whatever yeah just gonna be a, an important like two of or so maybe it's even better than that but yeah. it does a great job at protecting you from removal and even wraths because it stores them until you need them and even stores the counters until like you have a combat step where you're ready to attack with the creature that you're putting the counters on yeah so just you know all of the like dials kind of got turned to doing this in the way that actually works for the mm-hmm. counters deck. So. Yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, good card. Also costs one mana. Yeah, like that's key. All of my cards cost one mana. Yeah, it's just the perfect amount. <laughs> you can fit it in pretty easily. All right. So next up, we have our first land. Mm-hmm. So this is Indatha Triome. Are they all Triomes? Yes. So these are the new Tri lands. And I think I only put one. Try my no, I put them all in. Okay, so we only really have one card to talk about. We okay. just have the five triumphs. Yeah, so these are all the wedge triumph tri lands. Um, notably, they have basic land types, mm-hmm. so they are fetchable. Um, they all come to play tapped, and they all have cycling three. Yep, and they put a lot of text onto these tri lands. They sure did. Yeah, they still need to be tapped, but now they have cycling for three, and they have basic land types. Mm-hmm. Which is really important for... I think it's less important for being fetchable, 
because I think you're kind of tricking yourself if you think it's actually going to matter in modern that you'd be able to fetch a three-color land. No, for sure. I think you'll lose more games by drawing your tap land. Well, your fetches are our tri lands, right? And they don't come into play tapped. So this this is not going to be a modern card. Yeah, I, I just every once in a while it might be correct, but honestly, just err towards the side of not putting these into your modern deck, right? And and you'll be better off. The land types are mostly important because a bunch of these are forests and produce extra land, extra mana with Nissa. Yeah. That's, well, that's the standard application. That's the way it is. Right, yeah. Um, most of them are forests. Well, geez. Actually, most of <laughs> three them are forests. Three of them are forests. Three of them are forests. We can go through them. And that one's not. That one's not. Yep. All right, but the other three are. Yep. Um, and I do love these showcase arts. Yeah. This comic book art is, is nice. Yeah, I do like it a lot. Yeah, these cards matter. Obviously, they're, they're quite good. They contribute really heavily to you being able to play a wedge-colored sort of mid-rangey yep. deck. I do really wish that we got something to allow us to play some more aggressive decks. Like, I don't really know how the mana is going to work in the black-white humans deck. Yeah, humans deck is going to have some trouble, I yeah. think. Two mana, yeah, the two mana aggressive decks are yeah, it, not going to be great. It's it's just like, if you do need we, to play one drops... Do we have Shockland for... Yeah, we have all the Shocklands. We have all the Shocklands. But that's it. Um, it's like Shocklands and Fabled Passage kind of counts. So it's hard to play one drops in a multicolored deck is basically yeah. what that means. And just kind of depends on how we're building these decks. Uh, and maybe we have to stick more with monocolored decks if we're attacking with small creatures. Mm -hmm. But these Triumphs, very clearly powerful for the decks that are comfortable with some amount of comes into play tap lands and have mana-hungry requirements. And in particular, three of them just are great with Nissa, mm. which... <laughs> Boy, right. we've really been dealing with that card for a long time now. Oh, yeah. It's kind of sad. But here we are. Here we are. That's it. That's the whole set. Kind of. They're, you know, probably missed some of the good cards. But... Yeah. Um, but I think we covered a lot of the good ones. Absolutely. Yep. Um, a majority of them. So. And we ended up with 40 viewers at the end of this. So. Yeah. That's, hey, everybody, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, definitely. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, so all we needed to do was put a little graphic up on here. So, yeah, you know, that, that helps. Now we, uh, and now also we have a graphic. Stay, stay live for three and a half hours. That's true. That's that not, helps not something that we normally do. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But uh, yeah, thanks for everybody for hanging out. This is our set review. Um, if you missed some of it, you can catch it on the podcast, which I will hopefully. The, the set reviews don't always come, go up the day after we record. They take a little work to get four out. hours of recording. It's, it's a, a lot, lot to go through. Yeah. It's a lot to edit. Um, but yeah, if you miss some, you can definitely catch it at, after I upload it uh, to the you know podcast feed. Thanks so much to everybody in chat for hanging out. We really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody at home for sticking through this whole thing. Hopefully you broke it up into pieces. <laughs> if you uh, want to lend us some support... Uh, we really appreciate you just listening, but if you want to hand us some money, that would be cool too. Uh, we use it mostly to upgrade the podcasting stuff, honestly. Yep. Um, so head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast, and uh, hopefully we will be able to send you some stuff soon. Uh, at least the stuff like t-shirts and hats that get dropshipped, we definitely can send out easily, and uh, we definitely appreciate your support. Uh, if you want to find us online... We are on social media. You can find us on Twitter. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast is at MTG underscore Grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. Um, thanks for listening to our set review. Come hang out and uh, either play in or watch our Ikoria kickoff tournament, standard arena tournament. Um, you should definitely at least tune in yeah. this Sunday. We're going to be streaming it. 
It's going to be me, Chris, and Jeremy doing commentary, yeah. and a bunch of familiar faces playing the games. Yeah, we have some really, really good players signed up. I mean, our last top eight was, yeah. you know, really sick. Will Pulliam in that top eight, mm-hmm. uh, Caleb Shear, just lots of lots of faces that you recognize in these tournaments, and it's been a blast to commentate them. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's fun to watch as well. So let's see, was there anything else that we needed to go over here? Um, we're not doing a Patreon question this week. So. No, we're definitely not doing a Patreon question this week. Uh, um, yeah. If you want to play in the tournament, all you need to do is have the cards on Arena, which is non-trivial, but, you know, it's where we're at these days. You can do it. You can do it. Um, have the cards on Arena, uh, and then either be uh, a patron for Team Lotus Box, be a patron of the MTG Grindcast, or uh, subscribe to this channel, Team Lotus Box, or subscribe to Zan's uh, Twitch channel. Any of those get you entry into the tournament. Yep. So, um, and it's, and it's just be doing that anyways. Yeah, so of it's, course. It's essentially, it's essentially a free 1K. Pretty it, much. It doesn't get better than I that. I mean, even if you weren't going to, it's like a very low-cost 1K. So <laughs> True. And you might get a feature match, and we'll talk about your match, and it'll be super fun. Yeah, exactly. So, cool. Um, and if you don't want to play, you can't spend the whole day playing or whatever, um, you know, we start at noon, so most people hopefully can. Mm-hmm. But if you would rather not, Tune in, twitch.tv slash Team Lotus Box, and we would love to have you come watch, hang out and chat. We will, you know, try to be as, uh, you know, <laughs> enthusiastic and, 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 uh, it'll be a good time. Accessible as possible, yeah. Yeah. And it's now a tournament series. Right, that's true. Um, a, a big announcement there is that if you want to stick with us throughout our four tournament series, then at the end of it, there's gonna be, there's gonna be a leaderboard the whole time. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of the top 12 players, then you can qualify for our invitational tournament that's going to be at the end of our season. Yeah, that's true. That's a good good announcement to make. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks, everybody, so much for hanging out. We really appreciate it. Have a great week. Peace.